Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. We interrupt this regularly scheduled programming for some breaking news. April 24th, 2017, there is a banned list announcement for Commander, the game we all love. And there hasn't been any cards banned or unbanned in a bit, but there are two of them today, and it's... It's pretty interesting, and one of them, I think a lot of people saw coming as well. Yeah, I mean, should we... Well, let's let's kill the suspense. The, <laughs> the card that was banned is Leovold, Emissary of Trest. Yeah, and Leovold, if you guys remember, he came out in Conspiracy 2, and immediately, uh, well, he's also extremely expensive now, but is definitely going to go down because he's no longer going to be able to play. He had an effect that said whenever... Or each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn, so you just basically lock everyone's hands out of the game by playing a Wheel of Fortune effect uh, and essentially making everyone draw a whole new hand and discard their old one, except they only get to draw one and you get to draw as many as you want. Yeah, it was basically a deck full of like Wheel Effects and Teferi's Puzzle Box, and it resulted in games where the Leovold player had cards in hand and nobody else did. And because Leovold's a three-drop, you could do it fairly early in the game, um, which I think a lot of people found disheartening. What yeah. do you think about the what do you think about the banning, Jimmy? Well, I'm I'm with you in general on bannings where I'm like, eh, it's fine, don't ban it if it doesn't like uh, I, I would rather not ban things, but I can there was so much toxicity around Leovold, and the one time I did play a Leovold deck, I did walk away from it going like, huh, I really don't want to do that ever again. So <laughs> I'm okay with it for the most part. Uh I the card was originally designed, keep in mind, for uh, tiny leaders, and that was sort of like the intention they had for it, and it ended up being one of the more powerful decks you could run in EDH, so I'm okay with it. What about you, Josh? Um, eh, I wouldn't ban it. I, I did play against it a couple times. I actually never got killed by it, but I was always very uh, proactive as soon as I saw the card to be like, we have to kill that player first, and that's what every I would just convince everybody to do that, and so that's what we would do, and the Leoville player would put that deck away for the next game, so I never really saw it do its thing uh you know, firsthand, I understand what it can do, and I understand why that wouldn't be fun. Um, yeah, so for me, I, I sort of am still on the don't ban stuff train just because I want to keep that list low. And, you know, anybody who's playing a Leovold deck can just move on to the Zer deck or whatever the heck else is the next tier one deck that they want to. And Leovold wasn't even as good as most of the top tier decks. Uh, you know, I think it was tier 1.5 or maybe even tier one, but it wasn't like the best deck. So yeah. uh, to me, sure, ban it, don't ban it. I, I mean, I feel bad for people who had built a Leovold deck because it wasn't a cheap commander. And um, maybe this you know, is karmic justice for them, Josh, that they, that they are de delivering other people from having fun. So in result, <laughs> now they must have the force to have the price of just a deck that they can't play anymore. Yeah, I mean that seems that seems kind of overkill. And who knows? There's there's plenty of playgroups like ours. I think where you know I don't think that that person who playing the Leovold deck is mean. No. you know, no, no, I'm gonna no, do my best that. to kill that person first. But I don't think I don't want him to lose seven hundred dollars or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I I, I I I guess I would say I'm against the banning. But on a scale of one to ten, I'm you know it's it's not like I'm a ten against it. I'm a six against it. Yeah, I think the card is 
had the potential from the beginning. And as a result, I was never interested in building the deck. One, because I'm not really interested in the effect, but also like if something's on the edge of like oppressive and you know that it may get you the result of someone's just going to try and kill you every single time, that kind of deck is not what I'm interested in building anyway. So Leovold's gone. Bye, Leovold. It was nice knowing you. Uh, replace yeah, him we with Tassigar. Leovold, we hardly knew you. Yeah, replace him with any other number of very powerful Sultai commanders if you have him in the deck. Play uh, 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 Damia, Sage of Stone. There, done. There, I think you might have to change your deck quite a bit if you do this. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's close to the same deck. Damia's but... about drawing cards, right? Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, just... I, uh... I, I feel bad for everybody out there who had a Leovold deck. Um, you know, it sucks to have your deck just totally banned out from under you. You know, I feel for you. But I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, yay, I won't have to play against that deck. So, yeah. you know. And the people like me where it's like, I played against it once, and I guess that's all I'll ever know. <laughs> so the, the card, there was one card that was unbanned. So this I'm much more happy about. Um, even though this is not necessarily the card I would have chosen first to unban. I think I've talked enough on the show about wanting to sort of get that ban list down uh, if possible and take some things off of it. But I, th I think this one's okay to unban. I I'll be interested to hear your perspective, Jimmy. It's Protean Hulk. Yeah. Um, it I'll read the card because it's kind of important now because you're allowed to play it where you weren't before. So it's five green green for a 6-6 uh, six, six creature beast. It says, when Protean Hulk is put into a graveyard from play... Search your library for any number of creature cards with total converted mana cost six or less and put them into play and then shuffle your library. So Protean Hulk tutors out six mana worth of creatures. Any uh, number. So you can and do it can be six spread. one drops if you want. Yeah, exactly. You can put uh, any number of zero drops out also when Protean Hulk comes out if you feel like it. If you got kobolds of Kirkkeep and all that, go yeah. for Ornithopter. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is a card with a lot of combo potential, obviously. It is a card... There's some very... There's some well-known combos with it. I think the big one is a card uh, called Flash. So, Flash is a blue card that... I should read it here, because I was going to fall into the trap of trying to explain it without reading the card. Yeah, sometimes um, we make mistakes when that happens. I'll just read it. Flash, one in the blue for an instant with some of the wonkiest art I've ever seen. Looks like it was done in MS Paint. Uh, you may put a... <laughs> sorry, David, the artist. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. If you do, sacrifice it unless you pay its mana cost reduced up to two generic mana. So the idea is like, oh, you can flash something in and pay a little bit less for it, uh, but or you can just play it in and it gets sacrificed. So in this case, Protean Hulk comes in immediately for two mana, so this is a turn two play potentially, and then it just gets whomped out of here and you immediately can combo off with him. Yeah, because you actually want the Protean Hulk to die, so the sacrifice part of Flash is actually in your favor. So you two mana, Flash out Protean Hulk. Because of Flash, you immediately sacrifice it, and then you go find uh, Karmic Guide and Viserys here. Karmic Guide brings the Protean Hulk back onto the battlefield. You sack it to Viserys here. You sack the Karmic Guide. You go get Revelark with the trigger off of Protean Hulk. The Revelark brings back the Karmic Guide, brings back the Protean Hulk. You continue this process. You go get any number of cards from that point because you can do things like, well, we saw on Game Nights, I think it was Episode 3, Alex Kessler, with the uh, Murderous Red Cap. You can basically do that. So you can turn to, you know, in theory... Win the game. Win the game. Um, <clears throat> That kind of effect is very powerful, and you know if you get the right cards in hand. Now, none of those things are a commander, so and you need 
Protean Hulk and Flash in your hand on turn two to do it. And so. white and black. <laughs> so it's like four colors as well. Yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible, and, and decks with a lot of tutors can pull things off like that, obviously. Um, it's probably more likely to happen on turn three or four. Yeah. And in competitive metas, you know, there's a lot of combo decks that are going off around that time. This might be, you know, on a little bit on the early side, but again, it doesn't involve a commander, so it's not a card that you always, always have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's very powerful in that it automatically tutors out two creatures three creatures as many as you need essentially and then puts them onto the battlefield so it's not even into your hand so the the only quote-unquote downside is that you have to find a way for it to be put into a graveyard and flash is one of those ways any number of sack outlets is a way to do this um even cards like uh sneak attack are ways to do this because it sacrifices at the end of turn um so obviously there's a huge amount of combo potential here i think the thing that i mostly disagree with is what the rules committee had to say about it so they said um uh, support within the community has been tilting towards Protean Hulk for some time, blah, 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 blah. And he says, we acknowledge the card will be strong, but are of the opinion that it won't be, of the, won't be the centralizing factor it once would have been. Back when Protean Hulk was banned, both creatures and graveyard control were nowhere as strong as they are today. Uh, and then the thing that I really disagree with, we suspect Protean Hulk will be much like Kakusho, the evening star, when it was unbanned. Powerful, but not broken in the current commander landscape. And that is so off to me because Kakusho is whatever. <laughs> compared to what Protean Hulk can do. Protean Hulk's ability is, like, arguably 20 times better than what Kakusho's is. And oh, for, sh for sure. It's not even close. And you'll see a common theme about all the broken stuff we always talk about on the show. Almost always has, you know, tutoring slash cheating of mana costs, and this does both. Yeah. Um, which Kakusho does neither of those things. And, yeah. and, and, and I would generally say that if a card isn't either, you know, tutoring for combo pieces and cheating things into play and or it's probably doesn't need to be banned because uh, it just doesn't have quite the ability to win on the spot with no help as those cards do. It just doesn't fundamentally break the game of Magic like Protean Hulk does. Yeah, so in general, I'm fine with this being unbanned because I'd like to use it in a couple of decks myself, not because I'm trying to go infinite, but just because I, you know, it's an incredible value creature for what it does. Uh, I, I heavily disagree with the idea that it's not going to be broken compared to something like Kakusho. I think this is going to impact a lot of games in a significant way. And that if you're running green and have creatures, you're going to play a Protean Hulk. It's very like rare that you would find a reason not to play this creature in most green decks, I think, that have creatures that want to do stuff. Yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, I've said this many times on the show, which is that I think there are so many cards that fall into the category of, like, you play that, and if you want to, you can win, you know? My go-to is Tooth and Nail, but there's a whole bunch of cards that... You know, if you feel like it and you build your deck in a certain way, there's a bunch of cards where it's like, if I cast that and it resolves, then I'm going to win if I want yeah. to, you know, because like, there's just too many broken cards in Magic and we can't ban them all. So I'm fine with Protean Hulk because, you know, 85, 90% of people will just play it. And then when it dies, they'll go get, you know, a six drop that's pretty good and they'll put it into play and, you know, they'll go get Dromoka or something and you'll be like, okay, that card's good. But it's, it won't be like, Oh man, here we go. Turn yeah. two, you comboed off and killed everybody. Like that's not how most people are going to play it. And the people that are going to play it that way, they were going to find the cards that were going to do that anyway. So maybe yeah. this makes it, this makes it one percent easier for them. You know, of all the combos and all possibilities in all the decks in all the world, like now they have one more. There's a bit of an unbalance between those decks too, because a lot of the ways they find it otherwise to get creatures is like spells and creature tutors. Uh, whereas right. Protean Hulk needs a way to have it die. And so that you know that's another card in the deck as well. So un unless the deck's built to really use Protean Hulk, I think it may be even a little clunky for the, the most refined combo decks, if that makes sense. Right, yep. Um, there's 
One other thing we wanted to mention, it's not uh, a banning that's specific to Commander, but it does affect Commander players, is that um, it's a little bit complicated because the Rules Committee is actually separate from Wizards of the Coast, but the Rules Committee did announce these official bannings, the Rules Committee for Commander did announce these official bannings today, but Wizards also announced some official bannings for the formats that they oversee today as well. So they oversee obviously standard, modern, legacy, vintage. And the one that we want to talk about is in legacy, or sorry, uh, yeah, in yeah, legacy. legacy. In legacy, uh, they banned Sensei's Divining Top. So because the Miracles deck in legacy was very, very good, and I don't know if it was, I don't know if I can say it was oppressive, I don't know enough about legacy, but it was very good. It was the best deck in the format. I think one of the reasons they stated too was that it made tournaments really unwieldy because top leads to a lot of uh, games going to time and games being ending in a draw. And so that was another thing I think they stated as a reason to ban it. But anyway, the upside of that banning is that there's a lot less demand for it, and therefore the price on it is already dropping. And it's kind of a card that is close to like Soul Ring as far as there are very, very few decks that would not be better with a Sensei's Divining Top if they don't already have one in there, uh, in Commander, I mean. Yeah, I agree. I think it's Soaring is definitely like the number one must-have card in every deck, and then Top is very close behind. You know, maybe other Mana Rocks or color-specific cards are there, but it, the price going down is very nice, and I think it's going to be, you know, I encourage everyone to be able to use this as quickly as possible because we always hear complaints about people saying forever to use the Top. I don't understand how it takes that long, but just, you know, top, just say, like, at your end step, you just pass the turn, you have man up for top, just say, at your end step, I'm going to top. So you can figure all that out way before it comes back to your turn. Yeah, in fact, we even did an entire episode on how to play faster. And for those people who haven't already been playing with Sensei's Divining Top, but now that the price has dropped and you're going to pick some up and play with them, I would very much encourage you to listen to that episode. It's episode 110, uh, again, of the podcast and hopefully you can learn some little tips and tricks in there of how to keep your play fast enough because definitely there are a lot of decision points possible with the top and it can be really frustrating for the group if one player is sort of not well versed in how to use their top in an efficient manner. Yep. All right. Well, that about does it for our little break in the show. Let's get back to the actual episode, though. We have an exciting one. It is the set review for Amon Ket. And uh, we just got back from our pre-releases. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. You? I did. I did as well. It's a grindy format, but it's going to be a fun one, I think, for Commander. So how about we hop right into it? All right, everybody. We'll see you on the other side. Three, two, one. Guess that song. dun 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 Come on down to the Command Zone podcast. That's uh, Price is Right, everybody. For that is. Didn't guess it. I'm your Bob Barker. You can be Drew Carey. Wait, what? Wait, hold on. No, no, no. You're you're like ancient, according to the prof. So you're Bob Barker. You're Bob Barker. I'm Drew Carey. Hey, you can beat up Happy Gilmore. Yeah, it's true. It's good. Price is wrong. How's it going, everybody? You are listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today, we have a fun one. It is a set review. It is Amon The Amon set review. Did Amon-Kets. you see the trailer for Amon by the way? Oh, yeah. It was really cool. I Very thought they did sweet. a really good job. Yeah, they did yeah. a great job. They always do a good job with those trailers, and I'm a trailer guy, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, I got to play the set a little at the pre-pre-release, so That's that was fun. right. And you went one and one. You lost to Aaron Forsythe's ridiculous deck. That's Sphinx, man. I don't know how to beat that thing. Yeah, and it's funny because it's not on the set review because it's just not that good. <laughs> no, it's not that good in Commander, but it's great and limited. Um, yeah. Anyway, we should move along with the episode. Oh, God. 
The problem is we've been recording like all kinds of stuff for game nights and for you know yeah. all, all this content we've got coming out. There's so um, coming yeah, out. my brain's just mush. Anyway, cardkingdom.com sponsors this podcast. That's right. And game nights also. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you should go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and use that affiliate link. Or you can go to cardkingdom.com slash game nights and use that affiliate link. Either one is good for us. They sponsor the show. They keep the lights on. They're really great. In fact, I had a lot of people asking about my shirt from the uh, last Game Nights episode. The White one... and blue and black and red and green. And that is from Card Kingdom. Yeah. So that's just something you can get there. You can also, you know, order your Amonkhet singles and uh, sealed product, which is probably a good idea because the set looks awesome. It looks really, really good. And hey, if you're confused about which affiliate link to use, just know that whatever one you're using supports that specific show. So Command Zone supports the podcast and CardKingdom.com slash Game Nights supports the show Game Nights. So... Your choice, really. Dealer's Dealer's choice. choice. Whoa, jinx. Jinx. (laughs) Another way to support the show is directly through patreon.com slash command zone. We've got a lot of new patrons lately. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate all you guys and and the support you're showing us. It's a big help to keeping all of our various content going. And one thing we do is shout out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to... Kelsey Ito. Thank you, Kelsey. A recent joiner because I believe Kelsey would like to procure our very first playmat from Patreon, which is very exciting for her. We're also, we're going to announce this a bunch, we're also running a Kickstarter for that uh, playmat. Should we tell them about now or later? I think we should tell them, we should show it to them now. So this is the playmat. Wow. If you're watching this uh, on video, you'll be able to see it. Oh, yeah. If you're listening to it, you can't see it. Imagine just the coolest piece of art you've ever seen. It's a war-torn landscape after an epic game of commander it was commissioned uh from artist jesse aronson did an amazing job we're really proud of how it turned out now if you're a patron you're going to get a special version of the playmat that's different than the one that i just showed you if you cross the 80 dollar mark on lifetime patrons that qualify and so you're going to get a a playmat that doesn't have the ultra pro logo and it's going to be signed and numbered by jimmy and i but everybody else who's not a patron will still be able to get their hands on this playmat. We're running a Kickstarter right now where you can order it. That link is going to be in the show description. and On it, our Twitter, in the YouTube comments. It's going to be everywhere. And you should go and order one if you want one because... We're only gonna allow. We're only gonna sell this thing for this one limited time. You're gonna have like a one month period, and you have to order by the end of that. And once the Kickstarter is done, we're never selling it again. Yep. So that's it. It's a limited edition. So you're gonna want to pick it up now. Again, all the links are always in the show notes, in the description box, and all of that. All right, we have a big show ahead of us. So let's just get right to it. It is the Amonkhet set review. We're Woo-hoo. off to Amonkhet. It's a ton of interesting new mechanics and cards in this Egyptian-inspired plane. We're also going to do a new thing where we wrap it up at the end and crown some of our early picks for the best of in certain categories. So, for instance, the episode that we reviewed, Panharmonicon, I think we both would have been best card in the set. Yes. Panharmonicon. Bing. Same idea. So we're going to do that for this set, and we'll see how good our predictions are in the long run. But let's start with the new mechanics. So there are, what, four new mechanics? No, three new mechanics three, and yeah. one returning mechanic. Mm-hmm. So one of the new mechanics is Embalm. Embalm is basically like flashback, but for creatures. Yeah. So cards with Embalm, they let you use the card again when it's in the graveyard. Uh, it will have an Embalm and then a cost. And then what you do is you create a token that's a copy of that card and put it onto the battlefield, except for that it's a white zombie in addition to its other types. 
Uh, and then you exile the original card from your graveyard. So it's very similar to Flashback. Yep, and you can only embalm as a sorcery. And Limited, obviously, is very powerful. You get a second use out of your cards. But as we saw in Game Night's Episode 6, Mel used it to great effect with her Temet deck because she was able to essentially cast her commander, Sans commander attacks, and get the same effects of it and then send it to the command zone after it was exiled from the graveyard. So very cool, very fun effect, uh, and it's going to have a little bit of play in the cards that we review today. The second new mechanic is called Exert, and this is the kind of red effect that I'm in love with. Permanents become exerted when uh, you either attack with them or do something, and it gives them a little extra ability boost. So you may exert a creature as it attacks if it has the ability, and then it's not going to untap during your next untap step. Like It needs, it needs to take another turn to like get a breather, if that it's makes like sense. It, instead of just regular attacking, it really tried hard on that <laughs> attack, so it has to rest an extra turn. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting because... It's sort of a, it gives you an effect, right? You exert something yep. and then it sort of does something extra. And if that is worth it, then you can totally use it in Commander. And also we have a lot of ways to do interesting things like untap, untap our creatures cards. on purpose. So yeah. I think, yeah, there's a little bit of play with that mechanic. Yeah, not to mention, uh, like our good friend Wesley Rello pointed out, vigilance, very good yeah. with exert, if you can give a creature vigilance. Uh, yeah, because so. then it doesn't tap to begin with. It doesn't say when it taps, it just says when it attacks. Yeah. So. Um, and then there's the aftermath or split cards. These you've seen, right? It looks like two cards on one card, but one's sort of upright and the other sideways. Mm -hmm. um, and what these mean is that one end of the card can be cast again. Again. So, well, not well, again. It's a new, it's the right. same card, but with a new effect. Okay, so how do you explain that? Okay, so the card, one effect can be cast from your hand. Like and normal. And the other one can be cast from your graveyard. Correct. It's kind of like split cards, except for that when you cast it the first time, you don't choose between the two. You can only cast one end of it. And mm -hmm. then the other end can only be cast from your graveyard. So, yeah. Uh, and it also, this is the, all the cards are very different. We'll talk about them. But the type of the card isn't necessarily the same on the top and the bottom half. So one might be an instant, the other might be a sorcery, or they might both be sorceries. Yeah, that's um, a really good point. And they're different colors oftentimes, so they can only fit into certain decks. So yeah. a lot like the split cards or the fuse cards. Yeah, the cards look very funky, but Aftermath is the only part where you can cast it from your graveyard, and then you exile the card after that, so you can't just keep doing it. Notably, this also came with a rules change that these split oh, yeah. cards overall now do not have the CMC of just one half of the card if you're trying to cast just one part of it. The CMC is now equal to the total combined mana cost of the full card. So before, people were using some cool combos in Modern to use the expertise cycle to cast some split cards for way cheaper because they were using part of the uh, CMC to sort of cheat it out. Yeah, so you can't do that as much anymore. Although I believe that the card... CMC when you cast it and it's actually on the stack is equal to the amount that you paid yes. and no longer the combined total. It's a little confusing. You're going to have to read up on those rules exactly. Yeah, they just uh, try to sort of tighten the, the, yeah. the borders of that. And the last mechanic, this is the returning one, is called cycling. Cycling is an, another cost that's on the card and mm -hmm. then it, it says like cycling two and it'll be two colorless mana. And that just means that instead of paying the regular cast a uh, cost of the card and then casting it as normal you can pay the cycling cost and then you discard that card and draw another card and you can do that at instant speed and occasionally cycling cards have other effects that say well when you cycle this card do something else which mm -hmm. means you discard it draw a card and do that at an effect or like things like my the, the neheb deck uh discard matters so you're you are discarding the card when you cycle it. But it's a very useful mechanic for a lot of cards because obviously you get a second use out of it in case you don't need to play that land or do whatever with that card. You're like, I need to just find another card. I'm going to cycle this. All right, let's get into the cards here. We're going to start with what was probably the most anticipated part about Amonkhet, 
It was uh, among the the first art that was released was the art for the new gods. Yeah. So you guys remember uh, Theros had their own selection of gods throughout the set. These were legendary enchantment creatures, and Amonkhet continues that tradition. However, these are just legendary creatures, but yeah. they all share a, a few things in common. Yeah, let's talk about that really quickly. So um, in Theros, they were enchantment creatures, and they didn't actually become creatures until you met a certain requirement, and it was usually devotion. These gods from uh, Amonkhet are always creatures. It's just they can't attack and block sometimes. So there's no point in time at which, you know, we're going to talk first about Oketra, which is the white one. There's no t- point in time when Oketra is not a creature, which I right. think makes them quite a bit worse than the Theros gods. Certainly. It, it opens them to a lot more types of removal before you could play a Perforos on the board, and because it was still an enchantment, and you were, let's say, you're just making a ton of tokens, someone couldn't path to exile your commander because it was an enchantment, not a creature yet. So because these guys and gals are creatures, they are more vulnerable to actual forms of removal, like a Toxic Deluge or a Path to Exile. However, they are all indestructible, so they're still pretty powerful. Uh, all right, let's read Oketra. Oketra, I did actually get in my pre-release, uh, pre-pre-release pool. And, and she, she did work. she was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's very good in limited. Uh... I think less good in commander. But three and a white for a legendary creature god. This is the cat god, and inexplicably, there's not the word cat on the card, which is a little... <laughs> well, annoying. actually, we, really, we realize this, that the legendary enchantment creatures from Theros also didn't say, like, Minotaur from Mogus. They were just legendary enchantment creatures. Right, so these but are these legendary. don't say enchantment, so you could have put the tribe there instead. All right, I already bitched about it. So, um, uh, it's a three and a white for a legendary creature god. It's a three-six... Double Strike and Indestructible. Sick. So those are two good abilities. And then Oketra the True can't attack or block unless you control at least three other creatures. And then you can pay three and a white to create a 1-1 white warrior creature token with Vigilance. Doesn't tap Oketra or anything, so if you have eight mana, you can create two tokens, 12 mana, three, blah, blah, blah. Um, So Oketra can get you to the point where she turns into a creature. Yeah, Uh, and this seems very powerful for Limited. However, three and the whites created one one white warrior creature token with vigilance isn't the best rate you can get in commander. This reminds me a little bit of cards like Bremaz, where you know they're they seem very powerful on the outset, but Just doesn't in, do in enough. a commander game it doesn't do enough. Yeah. Think of like Heliod, which is the Theros version, which creates two one clerics, but also gives all your creatures vigilance and then has that thing we talked about earlier where he's not always a god. Yeah. So and it's the same CMC to pump out a creature too. Yeah, it's just like this Heliod doesn't see a ton of play. It's just fringe playable in Commander. And yeah. I'd say Oketra is definitely worse than Heliod. Yeah, I could see her having some limited use, but as an overall, like sort of one of the flagship gods, definitely not the most powerful of the bunch. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're going to move on to the blue god next. You can go ahead and read it. Kefnet, the mindful. This is the bird god. Two in the blue for a 5-5 five, five flying indestructible. So the rate is good. <laughs> Three mana, 5-5 five, five flying indestructible. However, Kefnet, the mindful, can't attack or block unless you have seven or more cards in hand. However, she does have this ability, or it might be, I think it's a he, I don't know, who knows? They're gods. Uh, three in the blue, so it's the same CMC as, uh, as Oketra. The same activation cost, yeah. activation yeah. cost to draw a card, and then you may return the land you control to its owner's hand. So this kind of counts as two cards in your hand to get you towards that seven or more cards in hand. Right, if you're at five, you can activate the ability, return a land to your hand, and draw the card, and now you're at seven, yeah. and now Kefnet can attack. 
But this is interesting because there are a lot of utility lands that are very useful in uh, Magic the Gathering that you would love to play more than once. So Kefnet the Mindful does have this ability to bounce cards to your hand. Um, so that could be very useful. It could also just be a little bit of a hindrance. If but... you had Landfall or something. Yeah, for uh, sure. It could, be, it could be useful, although you'd probably have to be pairing it with like green and stuff to really take advantage. Yeah. If you have something like an Ancient Tomb and you haven't played your land for the turn, you could bounce it using that mana, play it again, and sort of get a refund on what you're doing there too. So there's a, there's a bit of utility there. I think this is definitely one of the more gods you can build around. Yeah, I think in the deck where Kefnet is useful, it's very good because yeah. in the deck that actually wants to bounce lands... And then you also get to draw a card. It could be very good. Yeah, not uh, many cards let you bounce lands to your hand. Yeah, so uh, I think this one is, is again, it's not going to, definitely not in every deck, but it's, I think, better than the white one for Commander. Yeah, so far we're just leveling up how good they are. Maybe this one's going to be even better. Who knows? Yeah, this is Bantu, the glorified. This is the black god. The jackal pup. Two and a black for a legendary creature god, a 4-6. So three mana 4-6 with menace and indestructible. Batu uh, can't attack or block unless a creature died under your control this turn. And then you can pay one in a black, sacrifice another creature, scry one, and then each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. Now we're talking. This, I think, is the best one. I don't want to ruin uh, our little discussion later, but this... We've often talked about on the show how just a card that allowed you to sacrifice mm-hmm. stuff for no other effect would be fringe playable because yeah. you often just want to be able to somebody goes to steal something well, that's why it. high market's so good yeah Even exactly in a life it doesn't matter you can just sack a creature at into speed stop it from being stolen yeah the fact that you can now sack creatures for an effect to scry and also to yeah. you know drain everybody is, each opponent yeah yeah you only gain one no matter how many opponents there are but they all lose one there's definitely scenarios in commander where you can kill everyone with that ability you yeah. know enough mana and enough creatures and you win yeah, so Bantu, I think, definitely has the highest upside so far in that you could play it in any, pretty much any black deck and be okay with it. Um, honestly, a three mana, four, six menace indestructible that can occasionally attack and block is pretty good. Yep, that you know? has that sacrifice ability on it. Yeah. yeah, and the scrying, I think, is also really important. Scry is now an evergreen ability, so it's, a, it's available in every color, and black, I think, is very welcome to have that in its sort of wheelhouse. Red would like it more, but... Black will take it as well. Yeah, I could definitely see Bantu getting play in like some Marin decks and things like that where you really want to be sacking creatures. And uh. it's also a creature that Marin can bring back. Yeah. This next one's interesting. I, uh, it's mm. Hazaret the Fervent. It's which, my god. It should be my god. Yeah, you should read it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's three in red for a 5-4 indestructible haste. However, Hazard the Fervent can't attack or block unless you have one or fewer cards in hand. And then the activated ability, two in a red, discard a card. Hazard deals two damage to each opponent. Now, this would have been great in my Neheb deck. Yeah, I think sure. it totally goes in that deck. If you have a discard-style deck, it's, it's good because it's like we said for your Neheb deck. It kind of, you don't want to read the text if you have one or few fewer cards in hand, right? Yeah. Because you're like, well, I don't want to have one or fewer cards in hand. But then if you go, well, but if everybody has one or fewer cards in hand, then it's fine. Yeah, I mean, like, this card is kind of a beating if it can just come down and start swinging at people. The discarding a card effect costs a lot, three mana to do it, and it's only two damage to each opponent. It is to each opponent. I mean, you could just run an Earthquake-esque effect, you know, and and, and be able to kill more things. This allows you to discard cards, though. You might want stuff in your bin. I mean, I think you could build around this and it'd be okay. I, I think the thing that hurts it is the haste. Like, I wish I had a slightly better, you know... Hazard the Fervent. Indestructible draw five cards when hazard enters the battlefield i wish it said that yeah there we go put a little Uh, combustible gear hulk on it yeah i'm i'm not super high on hazard it's just okay yeah this last one it's the green god it is ronas 
the indomitable. One of my favorite words is indomitable. I love that word. It's hard to say. Is it abominable, indomitable? <laughs> Ronus the indomitable, two and a green for a god. Five, five, death touch indestructible. Hey. Three mana, five, five, death touch indestructible. That's Can't, pretty good. Yep. It's a little trigger. The text that allows it to turn on and attack and block is, unless you control another creature with power four or greater. Another creature. So if you control even one creature that's power four or greater, then Ronus is just on. Yeah. So that's actually really easy to accomplish. But the activated ability makes this very interesting. Yeah. So the activated ability is two and a green, and another target creature gets plus two plus zero and gains trample until end of turn. So as long as you have a two-two on the battlefield and three mana, you can always turn Ronus on. Yeah. Uh, I actually like Ronus a lot. Um, I don't think it's as good as the black or even the blue god potentially, but it might might rank up above the blue one. It just depends. Yeah, I think the green one, I think Ronus is sort of more applicable in more decks than the blue one. But mm-hmm. when the blue one's at its best, I think it's better than this. Yeah. But Ronus is just going to be more useful more often as far as like, because it's a death touch creature. So at the very least, it just stops all the ground crap from coming yeah. at you. And it's so easy to turn on Ronus's ability with just one other creature on the battlefield. I don't think you're playing too many one X, sort of one powered creatures in a green deck too. Yeah. And, and often you'll just have a natural four power creature and you don't have yeah. to turn it on. And the fact that it gives trample is totally relevant mm-hmm. because... Very often, you just want to smash damage through, and being able to give trample to anything is is a powerful ability. It's just not an ability you want to spend an entire card on. But if that card's yeah. also like a five five and death touch indestructible that pumps other stuff, I mean, I think Xenagos probably wants this card. Yeah, Xenagos definitely does. And here's the thing about all of these gods that we should be mentioning is that because they're indestructible, they're going to stick around for a lot longer in general. Very yeah. few board wipes get rid of them. Toxic deluges do, and sort of the green, rifts. cyclonic rifts and the green sun zeniths, and but the ha- hallowed burials and stuff. Yeah, too. but for the most part you know your wrath of gods your regular kill all things are not going to get rid of these and you know having a five five death touch indestructible on the battlefield after a board wipe feels pretty good because you just need to play one creature to really get it going again also just think if you're sitting there with ronus out and any other creature and just you have three mana available well no one's going to attack into you with anything that they don't want to lose because you don't even have to you know, it just deters aggression without you even doing it because mm-hmm. you can just, it's its threat of activation, right? It's just yeah. the, the ability to turn on Ronus, block with Death Touch, take something out and not lose it, just kind of will make most people go, I'll just attack somebody else. Yeah, very, uh, you know, in the tier list of things I want to pair with Death Touch, First Strike is on that list, but Indestructible is even higher on that list. It's pretty good. All right, so those are the gods. Now we have the legendary creatures, and you got a good look at all of these in Game Nights Episode 6 with uh, Cassius Marsh and Mel Lee. We all got to build decks around these new uh, legendary creatures. So we've talked. first one you built around. Yeah, we've talked about two of them already. Uh, Hapatra was my deck. This is Hapatra, Vizier of Poisons, a black and a green for a 2 2 legendary creature, Human Cleric. Has two two lines of text. Whenever Hapatra deals combat damage to a player, you may put a negative one, negative one counter on target creature. And whenever you put one or more negative one counters on a creature, create a one, one green snake creature token with death touch. So anytime you put a negative one counter on any creature, you make a death touchy snake. Now, yep. if you put three negative one counters on a creature at the same time, you still only would get one snake though. But if you put three negative one counters on three different creatures, you get three snakes. The snakes are very good. They're better than I thought they would be. They're like mini Ronuses, man. Like I, you, ju- I could never attack into you that entire game. No one really could, honestly. Yeah. And building a deck around Hippotra seems much more viable than just having her in the deck, if that makes sense. 
It's yeah, she's very good. She's a lot stronger than I thought. The fact that she's a two drop and you can usually play her on two, swing on three, and get that going already with snakes. And then at yeah. that point, the value is just so high. I, I think she's pretty strong. I, I agree. Uh, I think building a deck around her is a lot of fun. If you have an infect heavy deck, then that's another way to potentially just because yeah, because infect creatures deal damage in the form of negative one counters. So all of a sudden, you if you block, yeah, even if your creature dies, it's going to put negative one counter on what it blocked, and then you're going to make snakes. Yeah. Yeah, same with Wither is the similar effect there. All right, uh, the next multicolored legendary creature is Neheb the Worthy. This we one's did a yours. Full deck tech yep. on this, so we won't go too deep into it. But there's one black and a red for a two-two legendary creature, Minotaur Warrior. Here comes the text. Neheb has first strike. Neheb also other Minotaurs you control have first strike. Neheb also says as long as you have one or fewer cards in hand, Minotaurs you control get plus two plus zero and first strike. By the way, and finally, whenever Neheb the Worthy deals combat damage to a player, each player discards a card. <gasps> so wow. that's a lot of text. So all your miniatures have first strike. If you have one or fewer cards, they're all bigger. Mm-hmm. Two plus oh, and because they have first strike, it that's why it doesn't pump power, right? Or pump toughness, right? Because if you yeah. make a four two first strike, it's kind of basically a four four. Yeah. Um, and then whenever it deals damage, everybody discards a card. We talked about this. You built around that last clause. Mm-hmm. You could obviously build around the minotaur part. Um, that's possible too. Yeah, you're not going to get as much support, but it's definitely a viable People thing. People love do. tribal though, so I yeah, get it. For you, know, sure. you know, if you want to build a tribal deck, I get it. I like tribal too. Yeah. I don't. But anyway, if you want a full deck tech on how I said to I don't. use Neheb the Worthy, just go check out the episode. I believe it's uh, two back from this one. Sorry, guys. I don't like tribal that much. It's just, I mean, we like winning. So oh, tribal. we should talk about, holy crap, we skipped right over like the big news this week. Oh, that's right. We'll talk about it right now because why not? Yeah, because we're talking about podcast. how much we love tribal. Yeah, right? it's our podcast. We'll do what we want. Um, <laughs> they announced that uh, Commander 2017, which is this year, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to only release four decks. They usually release five. And the decks are going to be tribal decks this year. Tribal, very cool. And Gavin Verhey, who worked on that, I believe he was the head designer uh, or the lead. I forget what the exact nomenclature is, but he said that one of the tribes you won't expect. So people have been tweeting at us what they think it is. and there's I have some, no idea. There's some silly things in there, yeah. We're uh, probably getting like elves, goblins, merfolk, and... Hmm? Who knows? Werewolf. But hey, they could give us our werewolf. Oh, that's right. They could. I don't think they will because you have to print so many double face cards to make the printing process. If you have a guess, though, please let us know in the comments. Tweet at us and also tweet at Gavin Verhey. Uh, I believe he's just at Gavin Verhey on Twitter. This is really good news for all the people over the years that have really, really asked us to uh, talk about tribal things on the show and play tribal decks on game nights because we've shied away because I don't like tribal. But yeah, I guarantee we're gonna do. we're going to have to talk about it because, you know, yeah. the tribal decks will come out. And yeah. I can't wait. I hope they're awesome. I hope they're awesome, too. Gavin led the design on it, so that is very exciting. So can't Gavin, wait. Gavin's a good guy. I'm yeah. sure I'm sure it's sweet. I'm sure it's cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Back to the legendary creatures. Oh, this oh, next yeah. one was uh, the deck that Cassius Marsh, the CLC Hawks defensive end, built around. It's Samut, or Samut, Voice of Descent. It's three... This card is a beating. Yeah, this card is a beating. It's three red green, so five mana total for a legendary creature, Human Warrior. She is a 3 4. She has Flash. She also has Double Strike, Vigilance, and Haste. <laughs> she also says all other creatures you control have Haste. Good lord. And then, because that wasn't enough stuff, you can also pay White and tap Samut and then untap another target creature. What? So, first of what? all, you're in Naya. <laughs> 
So it's three color commander, right? Which is different than all the other legendary creatures in this set. Mm -hmm. um, and the abilities are just kind of crazy. Yeah. And this, I think, is a commander where you can just go in so many different directions because you can use the haste that she gives. You mm -hmm. could you because she's got flash and haste and double strike. You can go Voltroni with her. Yeah. Um, and you can also use the untap another target creature ability and really abuse that. So. This is a fun one. I think that there's going to be a lot of cool brews, and probably my guess is there's not going to be a ton of... You know, when you see a Samu deck, you're not going to know exactly what you're getting every time. Yeah. I also wouldn't be surprised if Samu turned into a Planeswalker. She definitely has oh, the... Uh, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, this is like the lead character here. Like, the, we have a you know a legendary Minotaur, but then you just got Samu, who just... She basically has as many abilities as a Planeswalker now, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously. The yeah. ability to untap another target creature, very interesting. If you didn't watch Game Nights Episode 6, you should see uh, what Cassius did with it. He basically just played huge monsters yeah. that threatened every, to have Every haste. time he played it on his turn, I was like, it has Flash. I was like, oh, wait, but it gives everything haste. So. Yeah. <laughs> and every time he swung with it, you were like, oh, crap, that has a lot of damage. Yeah, seriously. All right, our last legendary creature is temet vizier of naktamun vizier 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 i think white and blue so just two mana for a two two legendary creature human cleric so these are uh, by the way currently identical to uh, hapatra in terms of cmc and everything else except for the kind of mana at the beginning of combat on your turn target creature token you control gets plus one plus one until end of turn and can't be blocked this turn and this is the first showing of embalm on the card we're going to talk about today Embalm, three, a white and a blue to exile this card from your graveyard. Create a token that's a copy of it, except it's a white zombie human cleric with no mana cost, and Embalm only as a sorcery. So very interesting. This, uh, if you watched again, Game Nights Episode 6, you saw there's a very interesting, what's the word, interaction with your commander, the command mm -hmm. zone, and your graveyard, because you can actually play Temet, uh, and then let Temet go to the graveyard, and then use the Embalm, and then... You put the token out, and instead of exiling Temet, you put it back in the command zone. And so basically after you've cast Temet for the second time, every time after that you may as well let it go to the graveyard and yeah. just pay five to get your commander back out because the commander tax is going to keep growing, but the embalm cost will stay the same. Yeah, so it kind of gives you this double usage out of this card, which is really cool, and we haven't seen that ever, I don't think, in commander before. So I think Temet is, has the highest probability for me if I wanted to build a commander outside of Samut uh, from these legendary creatures. Should also say that when you make the token version of Temet, when you embalm, that token is now affected by Temet's own ability. Right. And so... You know, Temet can obviously give other creatures unblockable in plus one, plus one, but when Temet is in mummy form, the zombie form, I should say, uh, can give himself plus one, plus one and unblockable. So yeah. there's probably a lot of reasons in that deck to just embalm even the first time that Temet dies. Yeah, and the way that Mel built the deck was with living weapons. Super so smart. So germ tokens that came into play could be affected by Temet and just smash in for tons of damage. So yeah, she did a really awesome job with that deck. I, I liked it a lot. Bone Hoarder is super scary in the Temet deck. <laughs> yeah, it just exactly. comes down and you're like, wait, you can make it unblockable and it's like a 32-32? Yeah, that's the game. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the new Planeswalkers. Uh, this first one, man, there's a lot of people talking about this. Yeah, they certainly like making hot, strong Gideons. So Gideon of the Trials is one white, white for a Planeswalker Gideon. Comes in with three loyalty. So three mana for a three loyalty Planeswalker. Gideon's plus one is until your next turn, prevent all damage target permanent would deal. Target permanent, very yep. notable. His zero ability, he actually has two zero abilities. <laughs> so the first zero ability is until end of turn, Gideon becomes a 4-4 human soldier creature with indestructible that's still a planeswalker 
prevent all damage that would be dealt to him this turn. So until end of turn, he becomes a 4-4. You can attack or whatever, and he can't take damage. Yeah, that's the stereotypical Gideons always do this kind of thing. They turn into a beefy dude, and then they can smack you, and they're indestructible. And then they're back to a Planeswalker on the other turn. Uh, And then his second zero ability, this is the one everyone's freaking out about, is you get an emblem with, as long as you control a Gideon Planeswalker, you can't lose the game, and your opponents can't win the game. Hmm. Sort of a Platinum Angel-esque effect on Gideon. On an emblem. And you get the emblem immediately, so it's his ulti, kind of, uh, but it costs zero, so it doesn't kill Gideon, who comes down with three loyalty, and you can have any Gideon out after this one leaves, and it counts as a Planeswalker-Gideon, and then the effect is turned on where you can't lose the game and your opponents can't win the game. Yep. I don't see what all the excitement is, honestly. I think it's fine. I don't think it's crazy. I mean, if you love Gideon and you have a bunch of Gideons in a deck... Go for it. I mean, sure. I mean, if you're playing a white deck that has any of the other Gideons, this is a, I think, an auto include because the emblem is pretty powerful. Considering the fact that you have the probability of getting another Gideon out at some point. Yeah, I just think the whole like can't lose, can't win the game, can't, your opponents can't whatever. It's definitely can't lose, can't win. It's it's totally overvalued. The fact that is that they can still kill Gideon. So and yeah. planeswalkers like that just aren't long for this world in multiplayer very often. And if you're playing another card to basically protect Gideon, like you play original Avacyn to give him indestructible, well, you could already do that with Platinum Angel and stuff anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't change that much. I actually think this card's not very good because the great thing about Planeswalkers in general is that if they stay on the battlefield, over time, they just accrue you so much value. You usually are constantly getting a card. You're making a token every turn. Right. Every turn, your board position is better than it was last turn. Well, this Gideon doesn't have a single mode that does that. So the first one prevents all damage something does. Well, every that can turn be useful-ish, but it's, it's not that it's bad. It's just it doesn't accrue you. Like yeah. I use that this turn, then it comes around to my next per- turn. That's not. It's not like I still have something from what I did before. Yeah, and you're not building up to a big ultimate either. Exactly. You know? And then the zero ability, he just attacks that again. It's not. He doesn't get bigger. He's not a five five, then a six six, then a seven seven. So it's not accruing you any value. And then again, the emblem is not something that over time increases your ability to win the game. So Gideon, I think, is. I, th- I think people are just going way overboard. It's just it's not that good. It's a card for a standard and modern, yeah. potentially. Yeah. It's not that great in Commander. I mean, again, there are some combos, obviously, you could set up with it, but you could already do those combos with other cards, so there's just one more piece, I yeah. guess. Yeah. All right. This Planeswalker, though, I do like. Liliana, Death's Majesty. Three black black for a five man, uh, loyalty Planeswalker Liliana. Her plus one, create a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token. Put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Already better than Gideon, if you re- think about what we were saying earlier. Her minus three, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That creature is a black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. Notice there's no restriction on the CMC of that card yeah. or anything. Just return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. It can be new Emrakul. That's that's insanity. Yeah, so her plus one works well with her minus three. It puts cards into the graveyard. Uh, obviously, if your deck is like mine to have one and has ways to discard huge things, this card gets very, very powerful very fast. Minus seven, destroy all non-zombie creatures. So this Liliana is much more promising for EDH. It's all three abilities are relevant, and all three abilities are ones that you can build around and really abuse in the game. This is obviously the type of card where if it sits there for very long, everyone's just going to lose, right? Because you make zombie, make a zombie, you know. And eventually you're going to drop something in the graveyard that's just going to wreck everyone. Reanimate something huge or just destroy all non-zombies, and your zombies are still there. So Speaking of powerful planeswalkers, this last one on the board. Wow. This is uh, a little bit insane. So this is the first Planeswalker we've had with an X in their casting cost. Oh. It's, it's Nissa, Steward of Elements. It costs green, blue, and X. <laughs> so it's a Planeswalker Nissa that comes in with X loyalty. 
So if you pay five mana total, then it's a three loyalty when it comes in. Uh, obviously, that scales. Plus two. Scry two. Plus two. That's good. Yeah, so... Yeah, plus two is good. And scry two is close to draw a card, not yep. exactly as good. It's getting there. The zero ability is look at the top card of your library. If it's a land or a creature card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the, the number of loyalty counters on Nyssa, you may put it onto the battlefield. So it so, cheats stuff into play, and it doesn't take away the loyalty counters, right? So yeah. if Nyssa's at, like, loyalty is at eight, and you zero, you look at the top card, and if it's... Terastodon. Boom. Just put it on a play. Yeah, uh, it's really good. We listen. We've yeah. said this so and many times. And it's also a may ability, so you don't have to. You can be like, oh, I'm just going to draw it next turn and play because I want a, a cast trigger or something. This is cheating things into play, and it's doing it off the top of your library, so it's drawing you that card too. Yeah. Um, and a huge problem with planeswalkers is you play it, you do their plus one, and hope they don't die. Here, yeah. you can play a giant Nissa and then get another creature card off the top of your library. Way better than like three one ones to protect her or whatever. It, it, yes. Especially if you're in a deck that's got like Sensei's Divining Top or scroll rack oh and you know gosh. it's in blue so you could have brainstorms and things where you're just yeah. taking a card from your hand putting it on your library and you know exactly what you're gonna get um and then the negative six which is our ultimate not as relevant in commander but still you know i, I could see points where you do it yeah. is uh you untap up to two target lands you control they become five five elemental creatures with flying and haste until end of turn they're still land. So you just sort of smack somebody for 10 if they don't have any flyers. Yeah, um, or you ramp yourself by untapping two lands. Oh, that's a really good point. Maybe you might you might sometimes do that. I mean, I think the... I mean, Nyxos. I think the zero ability is yeah. kind of crazy if you've got your library manipulation oh, going. Oh, notice how her plus two with scry two means that you can yes. draw one of the cards and then put the other one on the battlefield with her zero. In fact, in the pre-pre-release, I believe Graham did this where oh, he scryed gosh. two and then the next turn activated Nissa and had that six, seven hexproof guy on top of his library and just put it into play for free. Hmm. That was bonkers. So it's self-contained a little bit. You know, you don't get as much selection as you would with scroll rack or something, but Nissa is going to be very good. And the fact that she scales with the game. So if you've got 13 mana, then her loyalty comes in at 11 already. Yeah, uh, this card is crazy. Yeah, we've just never seen that before. It's That's going to be a very good card, I think. Not in every deck. Not in every deck. No, but, yeah. but in most green and blue decks that are running creatures, there's no reason not to play something like Nissa. Yeah. Just a lot of value off of one card. And you can play her for one loyalty if you want. You can play her for eight loyalty. She scales with the game. Oh, that card is everything. Card is Best good. Best Planeswalker in a long time. Card is good. All right, next up, we're going to go into the colors now. So we're going to start with the one, the only red, the greatest color in Magic the Gathering. You can tell Jimmy was in charge of the outline for this episode because we're starting with red. Yeah. The first card is Combat Celebrant. It's two and a red for a creature human warrior. That's a 4-1, and this is our first example of exert. So if Combat Celebrant hasn't been exerted this turn, you may exert it as it attacks. When you do, untap all other creatures you control, and after this phase, there's an additional combat phase. We've seen this effect a lot on a lot of different cards. This is on a creature. So you can only do it once a turn. That's why they made sure that if it hasn't been exerted this turn. However, but, there are, of course, infinite combos. Yeah, and there are ways to also, you know, I don't know, give it haste. So three mana with a haster swinging, and you automatically get another combat step. Usually the extra combat step is contingent on something or like a big spell, but... This is cool. It's on the creature. You don't yeah. see it as often on creature, though. I, I mean, it's another target for Kiki Jiki, oh uh, for Splinter Twin, because it unta untaps all your other creatures. So you Kiki it, attack with the Kiki copy, 
untaps everything, including Kiki, on the neck. Yeah. Then you make another copy, and then that one hasn't exerted. You exert it again. Yeah. Uh, next turn, if it doesn't have haste in the next turn, both the copy and the Comet Celebrant can attack. Oh, my gosh. That's actually really intense. Uh, yeah, it's good. I mean, you have to have a an attack that makes sense because they could block the original and then you only have one copy for the next combat you know yeah. it's not exactly zealous conscripts but i think there's some usages uh oh man this next one is pretty sweet yeah, it's so bizarre it's really good with the new gideon they're killing a minotaur though so maybe that's maybe is that's that a bad thing it's not no it better not be the hab <laughs> you're like no i don't think so it I better think not so. be better not. of course not jeez what are you talking about uh it's glorious end this is two in a red for an instant it says end the turn so if you're familiar with Sundial of the Infinite, it's a little bit like that. Uh, you exile all spells and abilities on the stack, including this card, and the player whose turn it is discards down to his or her maximum hand size, and then damage wears off your creatures, and this turn and until end of turn effects end. So it just turns over. Yeah. Nothing else can happen. If it's before combat, they don't get a combat step. You know, if you do it in the upkeep, they don't get a draw step. It just ends their turn. That just moves to the end of their turn. So it's very powerful. And then then, the most red thing ever. Yeah. So after you end the turn, it says at the beginning of your next end step, you lose the game. So you basically get to just end somebody's turn. You're probably going to do it during their upkeep or something. Yeah. And then you have to win before your end step. Otherwise, you lose the game. But see, here's why it's good with like New Gideon. Right, you can't you, lose. You can emblem and say it says you can't lose, and your opponents can't win, and so or platinum angel and things that say similar things. Mm-hmm. You could basically glorious end on somebody's turn and still live. Now that's yeah. pretty fringe, but I'm just saying like you could if you can get around that and uh, at the beginning of your next next end step you lose the game thing. Then this card's extremely powerful. Well, right, because red has never had this effect before. Normally it's on time stop or sundial of the infinite, but now glorious end gives you this instant speed way of doing it out of nowhere. And of course, if you can stop it, then great. But there have been times I play final fortune in my red decks as well, because there are times when it's like, I need to just win the game and final fortune lets you take an extra turn and then you lose the game at the end of that turn. So cards like that and cards like glorious end, this stops someone from just going off and winning the game immediately. Yeah. If somebody's in the middle of like storming off or something, uh, well, it's hard because it's doesn't have split second you have to time things right but you can often use this on like or they crater hoof behemoth and the turn before yeah. they get to attack that kind of thing or they can attack and then you end the turn before yeah, damage true, goes through true. yeah yep so it's this type of effect is very powerful and very unique and i think because of that it will see play in our format and it'll be good yep you just have to build around the ability to not lose or yeah. just or just take that into account and be like i can win next turn yeah and that's it's thrilling when that happens <laughs> You're, right, so, next. you're such a red player. Yeah, it's to great. me, it's terrifying. I've done it a couple of times. It's very satisfying. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next red card is Harsh Mentor. One in a red for a 2-2 human cleric. Whenever an opponent activates an ability of an artifact, creature, or land on the battlefield, if it isn't a mana ability, Harsh Mentor deals two damage to that player. So this is just kind of like a red hate bear-ish S card in that it just pings everyone, kind of like Eidolon of the Great Revel. Um, this is one of those ways that just people just die without realizing it and just slowly lose, you know. This is like got the fever divisions effect where at the end of a game, this may have done 20 damage or something. Yeah, true. It just depends on what decks are in your meta, how many activated abilities that aren't mana abilities are in use. But there tends to be, you know, a decent amount in your average yeah. game. I think Harsh Mentor will be one of those cards that if your deck wants to kill people like this, then great. Uh, but And it will do a lot more work than you. I think you give it credit for. All right, the next one is Heart Piercer Manticore. It's two red red for a 4-3 creature Manticore. When it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. And when you do, the Manticore deals damage equal to that creature's power to target creature or player. So whatever you sacrifice, it sort of flings them at the person. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and does that amount of damage. And then it has Embalm for five and a red, so you could fling it could fling itself, right? Oh no, it's another creature. Sorry, yeah, it comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come in, fling something big, hit somebody in the face for a lot. Then when it dies, you embalm it. It comes back in, fling something else at them. I'm using the, the word fling. That's probably not a good word since that is a card in the set. <laughs> it it chucks the creature at them and does that amount of damage. If you give Heartpiercer Manticore uh, some kind of way to give it infect. Boom. Craig Blanchett is so happy. Yeah. But it's going to be tough because it's an ETB effect. So And it's in red. Yeah. Um, but interesting card. Interesting uh, card. It's definitely a way to push through damage. Yeah, twice. you can you can throw the creature at a play or the one that's sacrificed. Mm-hmm. When you you can throw that at a creature, so yeah, it can be a removal spell too. I want to pair this up with something like sneak attack, where you can cheat in the creature for really cheap and then mm-hmm. play the heart piercer, and it's going to die anyway. So you can do it after it attacks, or you can do it at, you know even before the attacks to to huck ten damage or whatever at someone's face. Yeah, that's a good that's a that's a good one actually. You know, you like Ulamog, sneak attack, mm-hmm. then then throw that at somebody's face. Here comes a new Lamog. She's like, what the heck? <laughs> All right, our last red card. Eh, this one's okay. But it's interesting. It is interesting. I don't think it's it's necessarily good for Commander, but it's interesting. It's, uh, oh no, it's your turn. Is it? It's always my turn. Soul Scar Mage, red for a 1-2 creature human wizard with prowess. I just lose the game after this turn. Uh, <laughs> if a source you control would deal non-combat damage to a creature and opponent controls, put that many minus one, minus one counters on that creature instead. So this turns all of your hurricanes and all of your oh, true. earthquakes. Blasphemous Axe. Blasphemous Axe. That just kills everything anyway. Into minus one, minus one counters. But it will kill indestructible creatures that's as well. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's so a good point. So it's an interesting way for oh. red to, or mono red specifically to kill things because they have a lot of damage-based effects, and sometimes even just neutering a creature can be akin to killing it as well. Yeah, I like that, actually. It's non-combat damage, basically has wither. Yeah. Hmm. So it's an interesting effect. It feels like an enchantment-based effect, but it also has prowess, so then you can swing in for Yeah, you know, I think I would like it a little better if it was an enchantment, honestly. I mean, I would like a lot of things better if they were enchantments. Yeah, good point. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting card. I think it's pretty, pretty dece. It, I mean, in a mono-red deck is what I'm usually thinking is the kind of deck that you'd want this in, so... All right, now we're moving on to what colors next? White. White. What? So the first card, oh, yes. This card is sweet. This card has a really cool token, by the way. They have the most tokens ever in this set, by the way. So, well, because a lot of, yeah, because a lot of individual things need tokens rather than just like there's warriors and that's it. Um, Angel of Sanctions. This is three white, white, three white, white for a three, four flying angel. When Angel of Sanctions enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-land permanent in opponent controls until Angel of Sanction leaves the battlefield. So it's sort of Banisher Priest something. Yeah. Non-land uh, permanent, which is cool. Yep. Oh, yeah. True. Um, yeah, not it's just, not just not creature. Just creature yeah. yeah, it O-rings something, basically. Yeah. Uh, but it's on a 3-4 flyer. And it has Embalm for 5 and a white. So even after they get rid of it, you can put it back out and do it again. So pretty yeah. good. Yeah, pretty good. It's got double usage, and if you know you want to beat down, then it has that ability as well. Yeah, this I, next one is nuts too. So yeah, I like the fact that you can reuse it. Oh yeah, the yeah. next. Well, we got parallel lives, but for white. Yeah, what is happening in this set? Samut's untapping creatures, and then we have Anointed Procession, three and a white for an enchantment. If an effect would create one or more tokens under your control, it creates twice that many tokens instead. In white. It's basically parallel lives, just just in white. I mean, it kind of makes sense in a way that you know white loves having the weenie factor into it, and a lot of token based strategies are in white as well. So now they get a little extra help. Which it's is a, crazy. It's a good card if you're making tokens. Then you know, play that card. Yeah, you kind of get a a a, dub, a double up if you're playing a green white deck. Then you get to do parallel lives and that card and doubling season. Yeah. Just every time you play a token of any kind, you get like fifteen of them. Yeah, seems hey, good. Hey, you're gonna read the best card in the set next. 
Um, I had made a pledge at the pre-release that if I opened this card, I would 100% play it. Yeah. I did not open this card. Darn. It's Approach of the Second Sun. <laughs> Hold on. I can do this. I can get through it. You got this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's six and a white for a sorcery. If Approach of the Second Sun was cast from your hand and you've cast another spell named Approach of the Second Sun this game, you win the game. Otherwise, put Approach of the Second Sun into its owner's library, seventh from the top, and you gain seven life. Okay. You cast Approach of the Seventh Sun for the first time in the game. You gain seven life, and then you put it seventh from the top of your library. Then when you draw it seven turns later, you, you cast it. it, and now you win the game because you cast it before. And you gain seven life, which kept you alive just long enough seven to life. play it again. Now, my question is, what if you reiterate or you fork this spell? Yes, you win. You win? Yep. Okay, cool. Two-card combo. That's how you win. You approach the second sun forked. And yeah. then you win. Or so you could the just... second copy sees that the first one has resolved, and then you're like, oh, sweet. You can also do stuff like um, if you got Vidalcan Ori out, you can cast it on end step, Vampiric Tutor for it, <laughs> and then draw it and cast it. You know that, that kind of stuff? I, I kind of like that a little better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's ways to break it. It's just not a fun way for me to win, so I'm probably not going to do it. But yeah, sure. It's like Felidar Sovereign or something like that, where yeah. people can just get you sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's a card. All right, next up is a big reprint. This is a card oh, yeah. that has been, I think, needing a reprint for a long time. It's definitely EDH playable. It's Avon Mind Sensor, two in the white for a creature bird wizard. Wizard. 2-1 with flash and flying, but importantly, if an opponent would search a library, that player searches the top four cards of that library instead. One time I used a fetch land, and then uh, Kessler played this on me, and then I got nothing. That sucks when that happens. Uh, yeah. yeah, it shuts down a lot of tutoring, and usually because it has flash, you play it in response to a tutor. Yeah. So all of a sudden, they're like, I'm going to go find something the in the top winner. four cards of my library now yeah. because I can't look through the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, this is really powerful. This, yep. just, this can stop someone from tutoring out their win condition. Yep. So. I, I think it's really good in... Especially if your meta is combo deck heavy, because mm -hmm. you can most combo decks are trying to search their libraries for for combos. So yeah, certainly. Uh, what um, else we got next? Uh, oh yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, Regal Caracal. Oh yeah, this is the Cat Lord. Cat Lord, yeah. Regal Caracal is three white white for a creature cat. It's a three three. It says other cats you control get plus one plus one and have lifelink. Cat tribal. Why couldn't this be a legendary creature? Okay. And then it says, when Regal Caracal enters the battlefield, create two 1-1 one, one white cat creature tokens with lifelink. So even if the Regal Caracal dies, they are still the cats still have lifelink. But yeah. there are two twos as long as the Regal thing is, is around. Yeah, it's pretty good. So it's a seven power of uh, and lifelink. toughness with lifelink for five mana. I guess the Regal Caracal doesn't have lifelink. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a wonderful a blink target. If you have a cat tribal deck, uh, then even better. Um, Why isn't it legendary? because josh it's just a cat it's just very regal uh, so people would have been so happy if this was legendary i wish it was well maybe in an hour of devastation we will see a legendary cat who knows um but yeah this is cool i mean other cats get plus one plus one than lifelink um obviously making two tokens it's people it's like it's the cloud cat ranger cloud uh, cat ranger instead of cloud goat ranger but, but yeah. you play that other parallel lives on turn four and then this on turn five that's pretty good you get yeah. you get four cats four cats like, i don't know it's fine it's nothing crazy yeah yeah I want my fun card. Yeah, I want my five mana spells to do to do a little bit more. <laughs> All right, let's talk about our first aftermath split card. This is Dusk to Dawn. Oh yeah, uh, they're all something to something, by the way. Yeah, Noah Bradley drew the art on this. So the top part of Dusk that you can cast from your hand is two white white for a sorcery. Destroy all creatures with power three or greater. We've talked about Retribution of Meek on the show. This can be very very good in a white deck because you know you get to just kill everyone else's stuff and all your tokies tokens live. 
Yeah, I think there's a whole bunch of decks that just generally have smaller creatures. Yeah. Um, and this is just great in it because it's one-sided board wipe, but it's only four mana. Most one-sided board wipes are like in Garrick's Wake, they cost nine mana. Yeah. Or Cyclonic Rift. But if you built your deck around, you know, and this card's good in it, all of a sudden for four mana, you're just like kill all your stuff, but I still have all mine. Yeah. And for five mana... So this is the aftermath. You have to cast this version of, or this side of the card from the graveyard. Yep. Dawn, three white, white for a sorcery. Aftermath, cast the spell only from your graveyard, then exile it. This is what I don't like about these cards. Return to all creature cards with power two or less from your graveyard to your hand. Whoa. That's actually really cool, right? Yeah, my neck hurts. Yeah, I have to go the other direction and sort of balance it out. <laughs> no, because then I'm upside down when I do it the other yeah, way. That's fine. I just got to balance it out. <laughs> but yeah, Dawn, this card seems very powerful. For one more mana, you can get all of the creatures back that are too powerless, and they're not going to get killed by Dusk, but presumably you're running this in a deck with you know Retribution of the Meek and lower power creatures. Not as good with tokens, but still a great way to buy back so many different kinds of cards that are very important in white. Yeah, and it's it's... Two effects on one card, which is always going to be good. Yeah. You know, two real effects on cards. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Retribution of the, of the Meek too. is just playable. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you just get, like, another added effect on your Retribution of the Meek is great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a play- playable card. We talk about versatility all the time, too. So that's just, if you need that other effect, you can, you know, mm-hmm. you can have access to it without giving up an entire card. You just play it in the slot that's for your, your board wipes also. All right, let's move to the, the greatest color. Uh, and we the, can't do red again. What are you talking about? <laughs> and um, oh, this card. Okay, this is the card in the set that everyone's going off about. It's as foretold. As foretold. People That's love the it. name of the card. As foretold. The card was not foretold. Okay, two and a blue enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, put a time counter on as foretold. Once each turn, you may pay zero rather than pay the mana cost for a spell you cast. With converted mana cost X or less, where X is the number of time counters on As Foretold, sounds complicated. If As Foretold has a counter on it, then you can play a spell each turn. Mm-hmm. That means my turn, Jimmy's turn, Maria's turn, Megan's turn. For if it has one counter, you could play a one cast spell for zero. Yeah. And you're casting it as well, I yep. believe, yep. which is pretty crazy. Um, also, zero does count as a number of counters. So you can yeah. cast zero casting cost stuff. For free, which sounds weird because you could always do that, right? No, because there's cards like uh, Ancestral Vision, Visions, uh, Restore Balance, yeah. things like that that technically have a CMC of zero. Um, Lotus Bloom, I think, is one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, this card seems very powerful. I would play this in a Mizzix deck. I would play this in the Atraxa deck because you can proliferate the counters. This card is one of those cards that's insane on a Paradox Engine level. Uh, yeah, because it, it's cheating of mana cost, right? And what do we always say? The most broken things you can do are generally the cheating of mana cost. So, yeah, uh, pretty good. Take I mean, a look at that card. It doesn't go in every single deck, no, but it's very good. And then think of a deck that has a ton of instants and things, where mm-hmm. you're just able to, on everybody's turn, use all that quote unquote mana. It just gets ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, especially if you're chaining it into like card draw spells and your serum visions and stuff that you can do as soon as you play it, you know, or as soon as you get one counter on it, you know. I think there's a lot of people out there, and Paradox Engine, we saw this a lot too, that are sort of on the ban train for a lot of things super fast. And here's what I would say. Um, not that it, stuff won't get banned or shouldn't be banned or whatever. You know, I don't think anything should be banned. But mm-hmm. I think the meta of Commander in general may have to move a little bit more towards the ability to remove artifacts and enchantments than what we're currently at right now. And yeah. that's not necessarily a bad thing. We just may have to run more answers than we're used to. So, yep. you know, we... 
I think that's okay. I think you it's definitely okay because cards like Skull Clamp exist. You know? Yeah, exactly. And, and I find that card more dangerous than Paradox Engine because Paradox takes a little bit of setup, but with Skull Clamp, you just have X ones and you're just drawing a, a thousand cards. You know. Yeah. So I, I think that may be something to consider before we run around like the world's on fire. You know, everything's going to hell in a handbasket. You know, eh, run a few more Cruise and Grips and some other removal. It's probably okay. Yeah, you'll be all right. Yeah. All right, next up, we have Curator of Mysteries. We'll just go through this one really fast. Two blue blue for a 4-4 four, four Flying Sphinx. It just says, whenever you cycle or discard another card, scry one. And this also has cycling for blue mana, so you can pay blue, discard, and draw a card. So if you have a lot of discard outlets or a lot of cycling cards in your deck, this just gives you a sort of an engine to help you scry over time, and eventually you'll get a lot of value out of it. But otherwise, it's very sort of fixated on the cycling discard bit still a four mana four four flyer too it's not horrible yeah exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and on the same level there's drake haven which is two in the blue for an enchantment that says whenever you cycle or discard a card you may pay one generic mana if you do you create a two two blue drake creature token with flying this is so, the only card i want to open in limited by the way i'm just so excited oh about the cycling gosh. deck can you just make two two flyers uh yeah, yeah okay uh if there's a cycling deck and there's a ton of cycling so there might be now then that card is really good in it yeah. You just Talrand when you cycle, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty yeah. sweet. Um, the next card we're talking about is New Perspectives. It's five and a blue. For More an, cycling. <laughs> for an enchantment. It says, whenever uh, when New Perspectives enters the battlefield draw three cards. So six mana, draw three cards, not great. But then it says, as long as you have seven or more cards in your hand, you can pay zero rather than pay the cycling costs. Mm. So you can just cycle for free, for free uh, once you have New Perspectives out. Eh, pretty good yeah. i can also see this getting some play in like a brago deck where yeah. you can blink it you, <laughs> you can blink it and just draw three every time that oh seems my okay. gosh yeah and then you just build a bunch of cycling into it yeah or you don't even have to maybe just drawing three every turn is good yeah that's true <laughs> it's it, six mana so i don't know but i'm just saying you could do that all right next up we have the vizier of tumbling sands two in the blue for a one three creature human cleric you guys ready for this one I tap like this card a lot untap another target permanent that's all I ever want to do in life. Pretty good. Just tap stuff and untap it. And it doesn't stop there. Cycling for one in the blue to discard this card and draw a card. And when you cycle this card at instant speed, by the way, untap target permanent. Whoa, that's really cool. Because we've talked about how awesome it is that you can bring back, um, what's his name, Fate Stitcher yep. from the graveyard for one last untap. This has the same thing, but you're also drawing a card off it. Yeah. It's, ah. <laughs> I love cards like this, you know. The fact that it says untap target permanent, so you can do it with the Gilded Lotuses and things like that, and yeah. not just make one mana, but make a bunch of mana. Uh, this is the most Josh card in the set, for sure. Uh, if I can be tapping and untapping things, I'm just I'm just happy. I wish it tapped things. That's why a lot of people were like, do you like it more than Fate Stitcher? No. No, no I don't. Because Fate Stitcher is also a removal spell. It also taps down their scary thing so it can't attack. But I still like this card quite a lot. It's, it's yeah. closer to Kiora's Follower, which is a card I always play when I can. Mm -hmm. But yeah. with the whole cycling thing on top of it, which is really neat. It does make my favorite cards like market festivals and stuff more playable when there's more stuff out there that can yeah. untap the, you know, if you have a land or an artifact that taps for multiple manas, then all of a sudden these cards become insanely powerful because they read tap for four mana or tap for three mana. Yeah, this could like be a, a removal spell. Someone taps out and someone's like, I'm going to swing at you with this thing. But like, now you can block. Whoop. Yeah, true, true. So. Uh, I like it. Yeah. Uh, here's another card with your Brago deck. Oh, yeah. So Trial of Knowledge, which is three and a blue for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you draw three cards and then discard a card. And it has the... All the Trials have this, which I don't think is going to be relevant in Commander, but they all say when you when a Cartouche enters the battlefield, then you return it to its owner's hand. Uh, but this is, I think, even better than New Perspectives in the Brago deck because it's only four mana, draw three cards, and discard a card. But yeah. uh, I think 
blinking that every turn would be you know pretty good all right we have another split card it's commit to memory so commit three in the blue for an instant put target spell or non-land permanent into its owner's library second from the top that's pretty good. You can just get rid of something at instant speed. It's a counter spell too, right? Yeah, it it's, puts a spell. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, if it's on the battlefield or on the stack, you can still put it second from the top. I think that versatility yeah. right there is really good. Yeah, as long as it's not a land. And then there is memory. Oh, God. Four blue blue for a sorcery. Aftermath, cast this card only from your graveyard, then exile it. Each player shuffles his or her hand and graveyard into his or her library, then draws seven cards. So, oh, so this is, uh, what is this, time, time twister? Time twister-esque, yeah. It's got the whole windfall... Just, yeah, draw a lot of cards. Because Leovold um, just wanted more of that stuff. Yeah, because the whole, like, this is a target, tar- the commit is like a targeted removal spell, and memory is just like, oh, yeah, let's just have everyone draw. Seven. Well, what you're <laughs> supposed to do is put it second from the top and mm-hmm. then use memory, right? And that shuffles everybody's graveyard, so they're not going to get the card that you put second from the top, so they'll yeah, get true. it back right away. I mean, it's still in their library somewhere, but uh, yeah, I, cool, I had though. this in a, in a draft deck. Oh, yeah? How was it? Because, you know, after the pre-pre-release, we draft, mm-hmm. and I drafted the cycling deck, which was awesome. Did it work? And that card was great because I couldn't get mill myself out from all the cycling. So. Nice, <laughs> nice. That's perfect. Yeah. And it worked. It was That, that deck was super fun. Oh, awesome. I don't know if it was super powerful, but, I mean, yeah. I didn't lose. <laughs> uh, all right, on to green. I think that's a good enough gauge. <laughs> uh, the first green card is Champion of Ronas. It's three and a green for a 3-3 Jackal Warrior. You may exert Champion of Ronas as it attacks. Again, exert means that it will not untap during your next untap phase. When you do exert it, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. So it Elvish Pipers something out on attack when you exert. People are going crazy about this. Uh, I think it's okay. Elvish Piper still seems better than me. Yeah, Piper's better. But, you know, in in a deck where you're trying to attack a lot and just keep the pressure on giving haste to your creatures, you have the other guy that gives you, uh, you know, another combat step. You know, Champion of Ronas does have the ability, especially if you have Champion of Ronas put out a creature, you have a haste enabler, then that creature you put out with the extra combat step, woo! It has right. to have an extra combat step. That's the problem. Yeah. That's why I think Piper is a little better, because you can Piper out something before combat yeah, and then attack with the, th- the new thing. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, Champion of Ronas, still an interesting card. And Exert, I'm still interested to see if anyone can really break it. Um, but I'm looking for, of course, you want Vigilance to really make that card pop off. Here's a big one. Harvest Season. Two and eight green for the happiest little mummy you've ever seen. This mummy is super happy. For a sorcery, search your library for I up to ooh, for up to X basic land cards, where X is the number of tapped creatures you control, and put those cards onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle your library. Whoa. So if you didn't hear that the first time, as Whoa. many tapped creatures as you have, you go find that many lands and put them into play whoa. tapped. Basics. But hey, whoa. If, if as this, many tapped creatures as you have. If this was like three mana for four lands, three mana for three lands, three mana for even two lands. This card is ridiculous. Yeah, you know, obviously you want to play it in a one or two color deck. That way you have more basic lands to fetch out. You're, I mean, Token what decks, deck doesn't have like, besides five color, most decks have like yeah. 10 to 12. You're rarely going to, you know. You're By fi- the way. You'll be like, oh crap, I have 10 tapped creatures and I can only go get eight <laughs> lands. Well, this is horrible. Here's some combos. You should play this with Opposition, so you can tap your creatures at instant speed and then play Harvest Season. You should play this with one Smuggler's Copter. Because one Smuggler's Copter, because you're like, can crew it. everyone crews the one Copter. Play this thing. Get, Get 11 lands. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, even just, like, swinging out, you lose a couple creatures, and then you play Harvest Season. I don't know. This card's great. Um, this card's bonkers city. It is, it is up there in yeah. terms of power. I like it quite a lot. Uh, the next one is basically the Reclamation Sage of the set. It's Manglehorn, two and a green for a 2-2. When it enters the battlefield, you may destroy target artifact, and then artifacts your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. So That's really neat. 
the fact that it has that little added versatility. Prowling Serpapard, <laughs> the weirdest name I've ever seen it's in a while. It's Serpent and Leopard. It's a cat snake. It's one green green for a 4-3. Leopard didn't sound good. Yeah. Uh, creature, cat snake. Prowling Serpapard can't be countered. And creature spells you control can't be countered. So, uh, that, that this is that Dromoka thing, right? Yeah. Where, like, you... It's not the exact same because they, they can counter non-creature spells, but still one of those cards you can play on your turn to make sure you can do what you need to. It's the mm-hmm. anti-control card. And uh, I've learned firsthand that those cards are good. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, next up, <laughs> this card destroyed you in the pre-pre-release. Yeah, uh, so Adam played this against me only in one game. I won the other two, so don't, don't freak out, everybody. Sandworm. Strictly better. Sandworm conversion. Six and two green, so eight mana for an enchantment. Creatures with flying can't attack you or planeswalkers you control. And then at the beginning of your end step, create a 5-5 green worm worm creature token. So you get a 5-5 worm every end step. And then, yeah, you're sort of immune to flying. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's eight, eight mana. mana. I said, yeah, I was ex- I calling it no-fly zone. <laughs> and uh, No-fly zone plus you get a 5-5. Five five. Yeah. Get no. some token, doubler, token doublers up in there. Yeah. Holy moly. I, I think it's playable. It's expensive. Yeah. But I mean, you're in green, right? So you can pump out a lot of mana. And once you have that out, wow. Yeah, it really stops a lot of aggression in the air. And hopefully you have enough big creatures on the ground, including the 5-5 five five you make at the turn you play it to stop anyone from hitting you on the bottom. Yeah. Pretty cool. All right. Vizier. Vizier. Vizier of Vizier. the... Vizier. Oh, I keep saying it wrong. Vizier of the Menagerie. This art is crazy. Three and a green for a 3-4. This art is crazy. It's the creature Naga Cleric with all the friends... I you think mean, people are mad in particular about this because this is not a snake, even though it looks like a snake. It does. But it's, it's a, a naga. naga. Yeah, there's a whole thing. I'm not going to get into that. You may look at the top card of your library. Because I don't like library. tribal. Hold on, hold on. This, <laughs> sorry, is, this, sorry, ability, sorry, okay. this ability is crazy. You may look at the top card of your library. You may do this at any time. Not many cards allow you to do that. You look, right? It's not like Oracle yeah. of Moldiah where everybody gets to see it. That's you looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, and then you may cast the top card of your library if it's a creature card. Sweet. Card advantage. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast creature spells. To so, cast any creature spell, not just the one on the top of your library. Any yeah. creature spell you cast, you so don't have to worry about mana. This card a lot of text, and it's all pretty cool. This card is going to be very good, right? Because it's similar to Oracle of Moldiah, Corsair of Crufix type things. Now, it doesn't ramp you in the same way, but what it does is give you card advantage. You know what's coming. You know if you want to shuffle your deck, that's yeah. very powerful. You also know for things like, you know, like the new Nissa. Mm-hmm. where it's like, I can check that card, see what it is. Oh, I'll activate Nissa because I know what that card is. Or there's a million cards that care about the, yeah. the top card of your library. And so just being able to look at it is very powerful. And then the it's just nice to be able to not have to worry about mana cost for your creatures anymore about colors. So yeah, I just think this is a very... It has just so many things that it's doing that it all just sort of adds up. And it's only four mana for a three, four. So you're not giving up anything to look do it. Look how happy that little Naga is with all his friends. Yay. Why is, it, right. why is it not a snake who knows hey hey guess what it's time for you to read a freaking split card and break your neck <laughs> this is uh mouth to feed so it's a, one of the aftermath cards mouth is two and a green for a sorcery create a three three green hippo creature token tribal Ooh, that's what hippo sound like tribal right? strictly better tribal card for hippo decks and then the uh, <laughs> aftermath portion which you can cast from your graveyard as a sorcery is called feed and it says Draw a card for each creature you control with power three or greater. Yeah, three and a green for a sorcery. Huge draw spell, potentially. That has to be the thumbnail for this episode, by the way, is us doing this. Yeah, that's that's it. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Um, yeah, so card draw, it's good. 
the the front end is not great for commander, no, right? Front but end is definitely not good. You'd want to discard this or just play a three mana of three three kind of essentially. It's not the worst to do that, and you might have doubling season or what's the new doubling season called? The white one? What was that called? Uh, it is called uh, crap. Uh, 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 anointed, anointed procession. procession. Duh, we knew that all along. So Jeez. if you have anointed procession and you know you're making two three threes, it's a little bit better. Yeah, it's card draw, and if you're making big tokens in a token deck, you know instead of a lot of little ones, then I could see it being playable. Yeah, this combined with a Garrick is very good because he puts out three three green beasts and stuff i had the mouth defeat in my uh draft deck also oh cool yeah. nice it was very good yeah <laughs> limited oh my gosh archfiend of ifnir we are now in black it's the three black black five four creature demon demon i don't know whether it's d at the end there it's a five four with flying and this is a cycling discard matters card whenever you cycle or discard another card put a negative one negative one counter on each creature your opponent's control uh, cycling for two so uh, this definitely pairs really well to discard outlets i would have put this in my head deck immediately because like look at this just oh my gosh you just nerfs everything it would have if just you destroyed your oh, board yeah. oh yeah all your little snakies yeah this this card is pretty insane and the fact that it has cycling two means that you it's never dead right it's, yeah yeah if you just don't have any other cycling cards or whatever you're just like okay get rid of it no okay fine okay fine oh, okay fine uh, this is uh, a... this card destroyed me <laughs> <laughs> thank you aaron foresight through Jeez, so, if only he didn't have any other cards that were super OP and limited to play <laughs> against you. So it's called Cruel Reality. It's five black back for an enchantment or a curse. So you enchant a player. At the beginning of enchanted player's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature or planeswalker. If the player can't, he or she loses five life. So if you have a creature or a planeswalker, you do not have the option to just lose five life. You have to choose between your creatures and planeswalkers and yeah. sacrifice one but if you have neither of those things then you just take five damage this card is um very good it was very good against me in limited although i had a, a slowish deck it was sealed and mm -hmm. uh you know i just couldn't remove it i think it's not very good in commander because it only hits one player yeah but it does destroy that voltron player so hard it's good against a voltron player but yeah it's seven pair mana. this with children and then they're sacrificing two creatures yeah. every upkeep <laughs> well sure but if you have children you're good anyway against that yeah, it's, player. Uh, it's seven mana there was somebody on twitter being like this card seems way too powerful i don't think it's even that good. i don't think it's way too powerful it certainly is good but i it's don't not think great. i'll play it it only yeah. hits one player all right let's talk about three cards uh just to get through this they're all zombie matters cards so that's why i've grouped them together the first I is don't, i don't like tribal i know <laughs> The first is Liliana's Mastery. She gets a Mastery. Three black black for an enchantment. Zombies you control get plus one, plus one. And when this enchantment enters the battlefield, create two, two, two black zombie creature tokens. So there are three threes, six power for five mana. It's a Lord Effectability. The next. Lord of the Accursed. I had this in my pre-pre-release deck. It's two and a black for a two, three zombie creature. It says other zombies you control get plus one, plus one. So nice. it's an anthem effect for your zombies. And then you can pay one and a black, tap the Lord of the Accursed. All zombies gain menace until end of turn. Now that is actually That's very all powerful. zombies. So if somebody else has a zombie, you can yeah. get to them too, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously for the zombie tribal deck, <gasps> you'd want to play this card. Uh, oh, finally, that's probably one of the commander decks too, zombies, right? That's one of the... It's it probably could, elves, it goblins, zombies, something. I hope they do hippos. Plague Belcher, two and a black for creature zombie beast, five, four with menace. When Plague Belcher enters the battlefield, put two minus one, minus one counters on target creature you control. And whenever another zombie you control dies, each opponent loses one life. So I could see zombie decks where they've got so many zombies that they just sack them and kill everybody that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's cool. You can attack with all of them. And anytime someone blocks, then, oh my gosh, each opponent's starting to lose a life. It's, it's one of those things that sort of just gets out of control fast. 
And the last black card on our list is Shadow of the Grave. It's one in a black for an instant. Return to your hand all cards in your graveyard that you cycled or discarded this turn. I would have loved this in my head. Yeah, deck. those discard decks are decks with like Sire of Insanity or, or even yeah. like Wheel of Fortune into this is pretty good. Uh, yeah, Wheel of Fortune into this. You can't do it at the same time. Right. Uh, but yeah, Shadow of the Grave seems very good if you're just like, I'm going to discard three cards to do this ability and then you're going to get them back. It's It's a cool way to sort of, you know, play around with the discard slash cycle ability. Really great art, too. I love that art. The fact that it's only two mana makes it really strong. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Okay, let's go into the multicolored cards. Now, there are a few more of these, as well as a lot of the split cards, so get your neck ready. Oh, man. My neck hurts literally from looking at that last one. Just thinking about it. (laughs) No, it actually does hurt. (laughs) No, which one of these are we talking about? Top one. On Crop Champion. Okay, On Crop Champion. Two, green and a white for a 4-4, four, four, human warrior. You may exert on crop champion as it attacks. If you do, untap all other creatures you control. Gives Sue the vigilance, but more importantly, you get to use mana dorks in green. You get to recast things off of your, you know, your... Um, yeah. If you had a whole bunch of creatures that want to tap, then I can see using it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's I don't fine. spend too much time on it. Even Good. wind guide, two white and a blue for a 2-3 flying vigilance. Creature tokens you control have flying and vigilance. And it has a bomb. Yeah. This would have been very good in the Temet deck, obviously, yeah. that Mel played, because uh, then all of her living weapons now are flying and they're vigilant. Oh, crap. So, that yeah. would have been really good. It's a really cool Lord card. Uh, I had this in my draft deck as well. This card is weird. Okay. Jeez, you're just killing it over there. Be- well, I was playing four color, too. Oh, nice. You know, you know, that's how we roll. <laughs> Bounty of the Luxa. That's how you roll. It's two green blue for an enchantment. It was a royal we. Um, at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, remove all flood counters from Bounty of the Luxa. If no counters were, were if no counters were removed this way, put a flood counter on it, and then draw a card. Otherwise, add a colorless, a green, and a blue. So diamond, green, blue to your mana pool. Okay, another one of these cards. Start of your turn, you look at it. If it has a counter, then you take the counter off and you add three mana to your mana pool. No, no, if if no counters, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Start. <laughs> yeah, I know. Jeez, I played with it, so it's it, it's it's confusing. So. You look at the enchantment at the start of your turn. If it already has a counter, you take the counter away, you get the three mana. If there's no counters when you look at it at the start of your turn, then you put the counter on and you draw a card. So every pre-combat main phase, so you are able to use that mana to yeah. cast stuff. Oh, yeah, sorry, not start of your turn, after the draw step. So every other turn, it draws you a card, and on the opposing turns, the ones where you don't draw a card, it adds three mana in the combination of diamond, green, blue. It took way longer to explain that card than any other card probably ever. Yeah, the idea is you're drawing cards and then you're able to cast the extra cards you draw with the extra three mana. It's fine. It's fine. Slow. Uh, I think super if you, slow. Yeah, it's super slow if you want to add a lot of flood counters to it so you're always drawing a card. It could be something, but you know, you could just No, play. you need no counters to draw the cards. Oh. So mm-hmm. in like a track set, all that would do is... Oh, you remove all the flood counters. Yeah, oh, so it, okay. it's yeah. hard to it's hard to do what I think people want to do, which is control whether it has flood counters or not so they yeah. can get only one end of it. It's Very... not impossible. It's just so many hoops to jump through for what? Three mana or draw a card every turn? Yeah. In your already in blue? Yeah. Well, can we talk about more so we don't have to read these split cards? My neck hurts. Okay. All right. Well, I'm up first. It's failure to comply. The first is one in the blue for a blue instant return target spell to its owner's hand. Pretty powerful. Uh, and then comply. Target spell. So that's spell, yeah. that's only something that... I, I need to read the card, Josh. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to make you stay in that position as long as possible. Great. Now <laughs> I'm stuck here. <laughs> comply is a one white for a sorcery, and it says choose a card name until your next turn. Your opponents can't cast spells with the chosen name. So the idea is you're going to failure their spell, and then you get to comply as a sorcery on your turn and say you can't cast that card. 
uh, until your next turn. So it sort of reflector mages it in a way. For, yeah, three mana, I guess. I mean, I like the the ability to return a spell to its owner's hand. I think that's that's we yep. should give it more credit than it normally has. Uh, well, and you don't have to name the card that you returned. So yeah, exactly. you can name any card. So you, you can, can name, just a name their commander. Yeah, yeah, if you want. So, uh, yep. Next What's up? the next one? Oh, Rags to Riches. Yeah. So Rags is two black black for sorcery. All creatures get negative two, negative two until end of turn. Pretty straightforward. And then the aftermath side of it is Riches. And it says each opponent chooses a creature he or she controls, and you gain control of those creatures. So seven mana, five blue blue for Riches. But you kind of, yeah, I was going to say Blatant Thievery, but on that you get to pick. So yeah. they get to pick. Well, you, the idea is Rags kills the things you wouldn't want because it's minus two, minus two, so no yeah, dumb you tokens kind of, or whatever. You kind of preacher something from everybody. Yeah. 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 Interesting card. Uh, yeah. And again, these are all two colors, so you can't just play it in any deck. Heaven and Earth is a green-red... Heaven to Earth. Heaven to Earth, sorry. So Heaven is X and a green for an instant. Heaven deals X damage to each creature with flying. You see that a lot in in, in green. Not the exact same, obviously. Hurricane hits players. Yeah. And then Earth is X red-red for the aftermath side. Earth deals X damage to each creature without flying. So this is a way to essentially get the full board wipe effect with a lot of mana because you can kill creatures with flying and without flying. The nice thing is that you get to choose how much mana you put into it. You don't need to do like this deals X damage to everything. So you can cast heaven early and kill some a bunch of stuff. And then on earth, you can cast it to do even more later in the game. And it just has a sort of like, it's nice. It gives you the ability to get rid of flyers at first and then hopefully more creatures You can flying. even look around and be like, well, there's no flying creatures I want to kill, but there are some on the ground. So I'm just going to play a green, cast uh, heaven for zero. Yeah. Get it into my graveyard so I can cast the earth side of it. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, now we're on to the artifacts section. First one is Oracle's Vault. It's four mana for an artifact. You tap two, tap the Oracle's Vault, exile the top card of your library. Until end of turn, you may play that card, and then you put a brick counter on Oracle's Vault. You, then you can also tap the Oracle's Vault and exile the top card of your library. You may uh, until end of turn. You may play that card without paying its mana cost. There you go. You can only activate this ability if there are three or more brick counters on Oracle's Vault. So the idea is they're sort of building like the pyramids or building the Sphinx, right? So you put a brick on, and once you have three bricks, you built it, and now it has full power. <laughs> That's how easy the pyramids were to build. Yeah, pretty pretty easy. Uh, this is cheating of mana cost. We know cheating of mana cost is always good. This is a yep. crazy card. Very good with proliferate as well, of course, yeah. because you can just get to the brick thing. And the nice thing is this does give you a little bit of card advantage, so I could 100% see playing this in red specifically. Because yeah. you're paying two mana, but you do get an extra card. That's sort of the red ability to exile the top card of your library until the train may play it. Yeah. It's really good with stuff like, uh, what was that vizier that untaps things? Oh. Uh, oh, you mean the blue card? Yeah. The yes. fate stitcher stuff? Yeah, it's good with stuff, stuff. cures, follower and stuff, because you just use it three times yeah, right in a row. Vizier of the tumbling, tumbling sands. sands. Yeah. So you just l- use the the two mana part a couple yeah. of times just to get it up to three brick counters, and then you're just then you're going off. Yep. All right, Pyramid of the Pantheon, very similar card, but it only costs one mana to play. It's an artifact, and you can pay two to tap it and add one mana of any color to your mana pool, and then you put a brick counter on the Pyramid of the Pantheon. So you get one mana back, so it technically costs one to do this, if that makes sense. Yeah, you sort of filter two into one. Yeah, but you get to have any color, so it's a little bit of fixing. But the important thing is that when it gets three brick counters, you can tap it to add three mana of any one color to your mana pool. So this is kind of like Gilded Lotus at this point, but it only costs one mana to play, and essentially, if you have a way to power this out and power the ability out a few times or proliferate, then you all of a sudden have a very efficient mana rock, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I think, again, great with the Cure's Follower and the Vizier of the Tumbling Winds. 
Yeah, that kind of stuff where you can just be like, put three brick, brick well, counters on Well, the zero of the tumbling sands. 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 Come on, we're in the desert, Josh. Ugh. They have wind in the desert? You know what? I'm All right. done with you. Right. You don't like any of these <laughs> tribal cards. I'm going to get so much Don't appreciate the weather. Tribal. I, I mean, tribal's fine. I just don't personally find it. All right. Throne of the God Pharaoh is the last artifact we're going to talk about. It's a two-drop artifact, legendary artifact, in fact. At the beginning of your end step, each opponent loses life equal to the number of tapped creatures you control. This pairs well with the green spell, Harvest Season. This pairs well with every single vehicle. And every deck that wants to tap out. If you have a single vehicle... Then you can tap all your creatures for, you know, basically yeah. no effect and just do this. Any token deck, you know, oh gosh, it's really good. By the way, let's say you have Kiki, Jiki, and Zealous Conscripts, oh, and you yeah. make an infinite tokens, and then Josh over here has a has... propaganda, and I'm like, you know what? I'll kill everyone else, and I'll play Throne of the God Pharaoh. You lose a million life. Yeah, that seems... Um... Oh, the, yeah, that seems good. <laughs> you don't even need to uh, attack and kill everyone else. You can just kill them with the tap creature thing. Yeah, exactly. You just attack one person, and then be like, what are, what are you doing? You play Throne of the God for it. It's like, I win! <laughs> yeah, so interesting card. I, I like this one a lot, obviously. Um, it's a bit build around me, but I think it's pretty powerful. Yeah, I don't think you. it goes in every deck, but the decks it goes in, it's really good. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some lands, finally. This first one has Josh Lee Kwai written all over it. It's Cascading Cataracts. It's a land. It's an indestructible land. Important. You can tap it and add colorless or diamond mana to your mana pool, or you can pay five and tap it and add five mana in any combination of colors to your mana pool. Yeah, it's a filter land for five color. Five color. Uh, you know, funny, a lot of people point this out to me. This is not my favorite type of land. You do lose a you do lose a color in the transaction. It's, yeah, it's true. Or, or you do lose a mana in the transaction, right? Because you have to tap the Cascading Cataracts plus Which could five be a mana. Land. Yeah. Yeah. It is indestructible land, though, and that is occasionally important. Mm-hmm. Um, this would look amazing in foil, just saying. Yeah. I, I still think it's decent in some five-color decks, but it's not amazing. Yeah. I would 100% play this in 10 triplets, though. Uh, Great yeah. card for this. Yeah. Um, and finally, we should talk about all of the new cycling lands. The bicycle lands. Yeah. So the cool thing about these lands is that, like uh, the lands I believe we got in Shadows Over Innistrad, they have land types on them. Battle for so, Zendikar. Battle for Zendikar. Those are the Havilands. The Havilands, right. Correct, correct, correct. Canyon Sloth is a swamp mountain. And it enters the battlefield tapped, but it's a swamp mountain, so you can search for it, and it adds black or red to your mana pool. You can also pay two mana to cycle it and discard the card and draw a card. So it's pretty powerful. These cards are great. Yeah, th- I mean, these are just must-fits in so many different commander decks because you can cycle it if you draw it, or you can play it early as a tap land, or you can fetch for it and fix your mana as well. So lots of flexibility here. That's three different very important things that you want in a commander deck. Yeah, I would say the ability to fetch a dual land is among the Huge. top ability because oh that means... You know, in your four-color decks, if you get any fetch line, you can go find any color with it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, super powerful. And the cycling is actually very good because at times in the game where you have 13 or 14 lands, you just don't need another land. You draw it, you turn it into another card rather than the land. So, yeah. yeah. I really um, like these a lot. I think these are hopefully not going to be super expensive uh, after, I don't think they, after they rotate. The Havilands didn't go up that much either, so they're easy true, to get. True, true. All right, we're going to do a little test, Josh. Okay. Based on the names alone, let's see if you can guess the colors of oh the, my of the gosh. land. So we're going to start with an easy one, Irrigated Farmland. That's blue-green. Ding, 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 ding. No, it's blue white. Yeah, blue-white, yeah. Wait, how's it a farm? So uh, I already lost. Fetid, fetid pools, pools is uh, black-blue. Wait, yeah, black-blue. Black-blue, yeah. Okay. It's fetid in a pool. Yeah. Scattered Groves. This probably has green in it. That's green-white. Correct. And then Sheltered Thicket. It's got to be green-red. Yep. That's the only one left. Ding, ding, ding. You got three out of four. 
Oh, yeah, true. I was like, there's five, but we already knew Canyon Sloth. Canyon Sloth. All right, so that is it for our set review. Let's do a quick wrap-up of what we thought were the best of in certain categories. So let's just start off with the best god. Which god do you think is the best? Uh, Bantu. I think I would agree with Bantu. I what do you... Th- go ahead. I would not be surprised if Kefnet, the blue one, got a little better, or Ronis, uh, people found, was played more than Bantu. But I think Bantu by far is the best. I think Kefnet at its most synergistic is probably a little better than the other two. Bantu is pretty good, though. Yeah. I Scry. think Bantu is just the mm. most useful, generally. Yeah. Um, We're in agreement there. All right. The best of each color. Oh, okay. So uh, if what? you need a little refresher, we can go through these. But the white one, I think, is pretty obviously going to be anointing uh, procession yeah. for me. It's just a, a token doubler. It's a card that, or even Mind Sensor, you know, that card's also very good. But it's just a card that white's never had before yeah i think that's why what puts it above for me it's just an ability white doesn't have on its own right now that yeah. it needs green for um and it's even better if you bear with green blue is the most obvious as foretold it's are we gonna do best overall yeah okay as foretold might make it it's 100 percent the best overall card in the set for commander <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, uh, I don't think in it's close. green i think it's not even close it's got to be harvest season uh this card is just it can just ramp you so much it's really easy to build around and it's it's even just in the deck that doesn't have that many tap synergies i think you're gonna be able to put it out there and do a lot of damage with it yeah i agree not damaged put all i agree out. although there are some certain decks where that can't run it because they don't have tons of creatures or whatever um in that case is it vizier the menagerie it might be or it's the uh ronis champion of ronis oh to get to to all of these are pretty specific to certain decks i don't see a card that's like wow just play that in all like i foretold is like oh geez every blue deck yeah Uh, yeah all right let's go on to black uh this one's a bit tougher i didn't really know which one of these i like the most but i think i'm just gonna go with uh shadow of the grave so it's the instant that returns to your hand all the cards you cycled or discarded this turn this is interesting. You can't I choose Liliana see, because uh, we have to, uh, we have Best Planeswalker coming up. Okay. Otherwise, it's obviously Liliana. <laughs> Boy, Archfiend of Ifnir, that's pretty specific. Uh, Bantu, we already have Best God. Cruel Reality, I don't think is... I think... I think Cruel Reality, I guess. It's not that good. It's just... I just think it goes in... You can play it in every deck with black because it's going to do something. It's true. And someone might have an argument for one of the uh, zombie lords as well. Oh, yeah, true. So. Oh, maybe Nest of Scarabs. Oh, no, yeah. that's a very specific It's deck. very specific, yeah. yeah. It's, that's it's, a card that makes a little one-ones for every negative one counter you put on creatures. Very good with Apatra, obviously. Yeah. Uh, multicolored. What do you think is the best multicolored card? And it can't be Planeswalker, because we all know it's Nessa otherwise. Okay. Um, it could be one of the legendary creatures we talked about, though. I mean, I'm partial to Hapatra, but Samut is very good, <laughs> yeah. too. Samut Voice of Descent has to be the best bang for your buck, or Temet. I think Temet has a lot of value as well for I think Hapatra kind of is deck. a little better than, than Temet in general, mm-hmm. although both those decks are cool. Is there any of the Aftermath cards that are good enough? Not particularly. Uh, no. I only chose a couple of them to talk about, and I wasn't too impressed by any of them. I think it's so. Semut. Yeah, I think it's Semut as well. All right, now let's talk about the best of Planeswalkers, Nissa Steward Development, easily. Easy. Easy. X in this mana cost. Next up, definitely Liliana, and in a far third is Gideon of the Trials. I'm not high on Gideon. No. I think this is really good, though. Yeah. All right. Best overall card of the set? As foretold. As foretold. I, I'm going to go with Nissa. Really? Yeah. Nissa. I've just never seen a Planeswalker have this many awesome abilities that are all relevant and all very powerful. Oh, well, well, if we're picking favorite, uh, it's not as foretold. I just think it's the best. Yeah. Maybe because it's one color and fits in every deck. 
It's ridiculous. Has foretold is a ridiculous card. I mean, clearly the correct answer is Hazret the Fervent, the Red God. <laughs> it's indestructible. I don't know if you read All that. All hail part. Red. Yeah. All right. To the listeners, what cards are you most excited about from Amonkhet, and for which of your decks? Please tell us your thoughts on the new mechanics as well. Whether or not you think Exert is all about the best thing you've ever seen, or if it's just whatever. Exert is just whatever. <laughs> Embalm. Josh, we don't need your just tribal whatever. talk over here. Embalm is pretty sweet, though. I love him. All right, make sure to go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, and you'll be so- supporting this podcast. Alternatively, you can go uh, slash game nights and support game nights, whichever yes. one you feel like. They're all great for us. Card Kingdom is just great in general. That's where you want to go to order all your Amonkhet singles and your sealed product. Uh, they're the fastest shipping in the business. We hear this all the time, no matter where you order from. People are just like, holy cow. Super stoked, yeah. We got our stuff so fast. Yeah, and another thing that we wanted to mention is that we released oh, yeah. an app recently called Lifelinker, and this is a life total app. You can support up to six players, any life total you want. If it's on Android and Apple App Stores, coming soon to Windows Store as well. We're always trying to update it and keep it up to date for the viewers and the fans. It's a very simple life app, and you can also unlock really cool backgrounds from your favorite creators. Right now we have the Professor and the Manasaurus, and they'll be giving away the codes to do that on sort of either their Patreons or on Twitter and stuff, so... It's a great thing to do. Lifelinker, one word, go to the App Store and download it. And if you're a patron of the show, you get the full unlock of the entire program for free because you've already donated to the show. And we don't want you to have to double up on unlocking the app as well. We get a lot of people asking, like, how do we unlock this logo or that logo? Each content creator's logo is unlockable by them in Mm -hmm. whatever way they see fit. Now, some of those have chosen to make theirs just public and put it out there. And when we see that, we will announce those on our Twitter. So you want to follow us at CommandCast. But really, your best way is to just content contact each content creator and they'll tell you like this is how you get my code to unlock my logo and you don't need to pay any money to unlock the logo yeah so the 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 app is totally free and usable it's just a couple side features that cost a 99 cent one-time unlock all right that's going to take us to the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic and it's going to tie into lifelinker because this week we're doing a giveaway Wow, uh, surprise I got, giveaway. Surprise, surprise giveaway, yeah. We haven't had one of these in a while. I got some unlock codes for a game called Near Automata. It's a game that is on PS4 and PC, and it is a, it's by Square Enix. It's like a Japanese RPG. It's gotten very high ratings, Looks and it's, it's really sweet. The combat system super in-depth, but I have one PC code and one PS4 code that unlocks the entire game to give away, and the way that we're going to choose the winner is if you go to the App Store and Android or iPhone, and you leave a comment and rating on Lifelinker, you will be entered. Five stars. Five. Yeah, we want five stars. Obviously, you can have things that you want us to add to it, like commander damage and poison, but give us five stars. And then you can write all that other stuff, because we're reading all those as well and always integrating it into the uh, the updates. So if you want a free code to win near Automata, it's a 9 out of 10 on Steam. It's a highly rated game. It's one of the most hyped games of the year outside of Zelda. I have a one PC code and one PS4 code, and it's going to be given away at random to someone that uh, goes and unlocks it by downloading Lifelinker and leaving a rating on the appropriate app store. Sweet. Can I win? I'm just kidding. I won't enter everybody. That would Josh? be weird. It'd be weird if you were like announced it. Like, and the winner is Josh Lee Kwai. And he gave us a one-star review. It would see... No, what? How dare he? He <laughs> said something about he? tribal in here, too. Oh, <laughs> man, he's just going off. <laughs> You can win, Josh. You're always a winner. (laughs) All right. Make sure you check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast. Jimmy, you just did a full block modern... 
Modern Masters draft with them, right? Yeah, I did every set we drafted, Modern Masters 13, 15, and 17. It was a lot of fun. Uh, my deck was super bad, but it was great. Kessler opened like a foil Scalding Tarn and a foil Sword of Fire and Ice. He, he got hooked up. And a Tarmogoyf, you know, he, he got hooked up. Well, I'm glad that he got hooked up. Um, For sure. Yeah, you can find them also on collected.company which is our magic hub, and uh, you can find them right next to us. Yep. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Uh, you can find the video versions of this podcast. You want to watch the set review there at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast, as well as our game nights content and our gameplay videos. And big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who does the living card animations uh, that lead and end the show on our podcast. You can find him on Twitter at living cards MTG. And don't forget Kickstarter right now. Get our play mat. It is only going to be there for one month. You're going to want to get this because there's going to be no other time to purchase it after this. It's going to be limited edition, exclusive art, and there's a lot of uh, also options and add-ons you can do if you go to the Kickstarter. And every link you're going to need is always going to be in the more info box below or the show notes. And it doubles as an excellent hat. Uh, it's like You a, look like Laura Ingalls Wilder from <laughs> Little House on the Prairie. I thought it was going to be like a vizier of <laughs> the vizier of playmats. Vizier of Playmatamun. Playmatamun. Nice. I dig it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. <laughs> Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> I look great. Looks, I look looks like good. Pyramid Head now. We should have made hats. <laughs> next, next piece of merch. <laughs> we'll get there.